tonight give you that fantasy goo as only pyro can do and on tonight's show we are going to be projecting projections we are going to be talking and doing a uh, over or under kind of a free form conversation based on the 2017 pyro projections done by not the guy I'm going to announce first but the guy I'm going to announce second to my left I've got Houdini, to, and then across the way, as usually, I've got Stag Party, who did these projections. I am D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. You will be able to find these projections as a part of the Pyro Fantasy Football Draft Kit, version 1. It is the last tab, tab 25 of 25. Go and do yourself a favor and support your boys here at Pyro and pick yourself up a draft kit. If you buy it, it's $20. You will get it, uh, an email link of an Excel document with these 25 different tabs in it. It's awesome. We might talk a little bit and give it some promos uh, throughout this show just because we got to do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you buy it now, you will get every subsequent uh, update and every version automatically sent to your uh, inbox. So no reason not to pick it up now and get prepared and get going early in the, in the offseason and stay ahead of the game. What's up? Yeah, that next version should be coming out right in the middle of July, so you can you know wait by your you know mail inbox and just just wait. I don't know what else is gonna happen, but you can wait. It's true. Well, you know, <laughs> the awesome thing is, I hear because we went on that little kind of uh, hiatus with the podcast, mostly because we were working on a lot of things with the site, including the uh, the draft kit. Uh, people are like, dude, I wake up, I look at my. Uh, Wherever they listen to these podcasts, they're like, I look at my podcast uh, subscribes, you guys aren't here, we miss you, when are you coming back? So, two weekends, two weeks in a row, we're back on, this is going to be the new norm, uh, so we're going to fire it up. What's up, Deeny? Well, it's good to all be back in the same uh, building and room for a change. Uh, it's been forever, right? Yeah, yeah, it seems like a long time. It's, so. it's summer, so maybe we were complaining about how shitty the weather was. Uh, last time we were all together, but it's summer now, and now we're just going to complain about how hot it is, because we can't have the air conditioning on for uh, <laughs> audio reasons, and it's hot as shit out. We're all sweating our balls off. Yeah, you know where else you sweat your balls off? 
Era fucking Zona. Yes, you are. Segway. <laughs> good one, good one. I'm actually going to be in Arizona at the end of July. So that Apparently, it's literally slow. been like 115 degrees for the last four days. Like, you could make a pizza on the goddamn cement. They they stopped. Airplanes couldn't fly. It was so hot. They, they literally had to keep airplanes in the ground. So I saw pictures of garbage cans melted. Oh, my God. That is crazy. Talk about a dumpster fire. Seriously, right? <laughs> Well, uh, basically, we're just going to go through alphabetical and essentially break out a player, uh, talk about their projections, kind of freehand here, and then we'll kind of just discuss. Do we think he's going to hit that? You think he's going to go over? He's going to go under? Correct? Is that the yeah, kind of that, format? Yeah, that's it. But uh, let's start off with a little bit of back scale and free form overall. How are projections made? Well, that's, that sounds like a detailed uh, you conversation need a drink. that I need to have a drink for. Valverde! <laughs> I mean, I need a drink to try to talk about projections sometimes, but it's something that's a worthwhile exercise. One thing, you know, you got to make sure you project at the league level, at the team level, and go from there. So, these projections start with pace of play. How many uh, plays does a team run per game, and then extrapolate that over the per season, and then you can sort of look at historical trends of you know the play callers, of the head coach, and of the offensive coordinator. I like to use the last three years to give a little bit of a mix um, in terms of you know hopefully better teams and you know their traditional stat line. So 60-40, you know the average run percentage now is up to like 57 and a half pass, 42.5% run, so it, this is becoming a very heavily running league, so how do they sort of fall in that scope? Are they more of a pass-heavy team? Are they more of a run-heavy team? How, what do they do against that? So then you look at you know the passing game versus the run game. Once you sort of take those number of attempts you get from the plays, you can figure out a baseline run projection based off of sort of what happened last year if they added anybody, if there's pieces added to the puzzle, how can they improve? And then the pass game, you do that same thing. And a lot of it is using the quarterback's baseline passing history. So you're looking at the quarterback's career stats. Like Usually a projection model is not going to come out here and say, this guy is going to have a career year. It's going to fall in line you know, with the mean, what he's done lately gets a little bit more heavily weighted rather than sort of three years ago. Be like, he was so good three years ago. It, it gets a little more heavily weighted. This is why it's important because it's why you can't project as a guy in his first year as maybe a wide receiver catches uh, 60 passes for uh, 800 yards and three touchdowns. Then his second year he catches 75 passes for 1,050 yards and, and seven touchdowns. You can't all of a sudden the next year go, oh, well, then he's going to catch 90 passes. He's going to go for 1,300 yards and he's going to give me 11 touchdowns. It just doesn't work that way. I think projections are interesting. I always like I like to look at them through a, a, a few different people's projections and kind of use, I trust yours, I love yours, I've been using yours plenty, even in our own, uh, our, the mock draft we're in the middle of for version two of the draft kit. Um, I love looking at also, we're going to refer here and there tonight to um, uh, Mike Clay of ESPN's got some projections that are up, but I like to look at a few different people and get kind of the lay of the land on where people think somebody's going to fall and what they're going to do statistically. And then at the same, but again, nobody's Nostradamus, no 
no one knows. There's breakouts. There's the guys that uh, you know kind of stick where they are. So it's not the, the end all be all, but it's an interesting exercise I think to check out. I can't even imagine for you just how like omniscient you must feel about every player on every team after going through this exercise. It's like, interesting. Like we things flow to the top. I'm sure some people, you know. This is one thing that has really improved over the last couple of years. But people used to project in a vacuum. But because I think this guy is going to be wide receiver 20, he's going to do this. But I also think his teammate's going to be wide receiver 25. His tight end's going to be you know tight end 2. His running back's going to be tight end, uh, running back 3. His backup's going to be you know running back 12. Like, how do all these numbers happen? Without you know putting on a historic you know season, even like last year, when if you projected the Atlanta Falcons, they wouldn't have come out as one of the most historic offenses of all time. It happened. Now you've got to adjust expectations, sort of go from there, but also expect some regression to the mean because you know once a team blows up that much, they do have that sort of cliff the next season. Uh, so it's sort of interesting. You have to be able. I mean, you don't have to project it, but you know, say day one, you look at it, you carve up the passing game pie. You know, this guy has a market share of twenty-five. This guy has a market share of eighteen percent. This guy has a market share of twelve. But they drafted this rookie wide receiver who everybody thinks is a sleeper. But okay, how does he see more than fifty targets without an injury? Right, right off the bat. So that's maybe a guy you put on your watch list rather than you're running out to the you know draft board to get uh, in a redraft league. I think it's interesting, too. I mean, I know we're going to go start with Arizona first, but Atlanta actually creates a lot of these situations when you think about guys like Taylor Gabriel. You know, here's a guy that, that burst on the scene last year, and you're trying to think about where his growth is potentially in the offense, but you also have to realize that there's only so many targets to go around. Matt Ryan coming off a career performance – is that and him taking, you know, kind of being a surprise to defenses, take all those things into account. Now, how many attempts is Ryan going to have? Where are they all going to go? Julio Jones wasn't 100% healthy all of last year either, so you have to take, there's different factors that go into all of these things. There's so many different factors that go into everything. So, like Julio's a great example. Now you're going to project his 16 game target share. Uh, I'm not really a guy who's going to project the injury and say he's only going to play 14 games and. That's just not the way I'll do it. I'll look at his upside and I'll sort of create it and sort of however it shakes out. I'm also, I also don't use the mean projection for touchdowns just because people on Twitter will murder you if you have 8.6 touchdowns instead of 9 or 8. I mean, they've never seen half touchdowns scored. Like, I definitely understand why you do that. The Twitter fear. I, I, I have major Twitter for you. That's why I won't do 8.6 touchdowns. Like, but so Julio Jones has a career touchdown rate of you know closer to three percent, while the guys dominating the position have you know four and a half, four point seven percent touchdown rates. It's going like decimals again. Like no, that's but percent. That's, that's oh, percent. Now you take the percent and now you multiply it by the targets, and then you'd get a number with a dot six. I mean, that's your mean touchdown projection. You guys, are you're an animal stag party, but that's why we love you, and that's why you're the one who takes care of this tab, and you're our brain share. And this so. is the first year we've added this tab. Yeah. I, I thought it was just interesting. You know, I was like, I have it done. Well, why hold it back? Let's let's put it in, and 
people will like it and have fun and go from there. Quick pyro promo. Uh, basically, one of the reasons last year I think was the first year you really did do projections and you do them uh, initially for the pyro heat index, which is our player ranking model. Um, so that obviously won't be out until the first week uh, player rankings happen. We have player rankings on our website right now, but the pyro heat index is an in-season thing. But that's one of the reasons why last year you did projections for the first year, and uh, obviously you've done them initially here for that as well. So let's go into Arizona and quickly, Carson Palmer. Basically, you have him um, completing uh, 361 uh, on 575 attempts. That's a lot of attempts for him. Going over 4,000 yards with 4,074. Should we just kind of bounce? Obviously, he's not going to rush much. Uh, you got yep. 14 interceptions on him. Basically, in standard, it doesn't matter for a quarterback, but you've got him at 244.46 points. Uh, Houdini, and obviously you'll get plenty of chances to say over or under, but uh, they are your rankings, so you're probably going to say, exact! <laughs> <laughs> not quite. So they're not, oh, hold on, one more thing. These are not based off my rankings. So uh, it's more, this guy's the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. This guy's the starting running back. And then when we get to other teams where it's a little bit different, like they say, you know, DeMarco Murray's going to get 60% of the work. Derrick Henry's going to get 40% of the work. So it's broken up on a percentage. Not, I have DeMarco Murray as my running back six. I have to project him as my running back six. Which is great. It's great. That means you're not being biased. So So here's what I want to throw a little caveat at you. So uh, I can give you over under, but I'd also like to throw in a third option. Okay. Par. I like par. I mean, for a quarterback... Especially, you well, can get a par pretty well, easy. Let me let me say here. I mean, I'm looking at Carson Palmer here. I, I call this pretty par, okay? Because you're not projecting. It's not projecting him to be at a ridiculous uh, throwing yards. Four thousand yards at these this day and age is like nothing, you know. Um, and then I'm looking at the touchdowns. We're not like crazily projecting him to be in the 30s on touchdowns. I think his interceptions might be a little bit higher. I think is uh, so. If anything, I think it might be an over projection a little bit, but I think it's so minimal that I call it par. I'm going to call it quickly. I'm just going to say I think he'll score more points than this. I think last year he missed the game. Um, and last year he did have more yards. He had about 400, 4,002. 4,000, where are you? 4,232. And uh, the touchdowns were about right. And he scored um, four, uh, 241 last year. So I think if he can play 16 games, and he had a bad, I mean, let's be honest, I think last year was bad performance all around. Other than Larry Fitzgerald, we thought going into last year, everyone was heavy on, on Arizona, and look what happened. Obviously, Johnson was a stud, and Fitz had a great year, but the rest of the guys, not having, that we'll talk about as we go on here, not having the year that we thought. But at the same time, you know, when I look at, at this, I mean, do you, aren't you concerned a little bit about age? That's why I can't say that it's a, an, an under-projection, because I worry about him with his age. I worry about Larry Fitzgerald with his age. I worry about John Brown with his checkered uh, injury pass and everything that's going on with him. J.J. Nelson is not a supreme being. So if anything, I still see this team by primarily running through David Johnson. I agree. Let's go to him. Let's go to him. I, age is obviously a concern, but it seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm putting too much into it, but it seems like he's... 
He's ready to have a good I think it's a good call. I'm just going a little bit over. Uh, David Johnson, Stag Party, has uh, 297 carries, 1,271 yards, 14 TDs on the ground. Then he's going to have 74, uh, projected as 74 catches 100 on 107 targets, 707 yards, and three touchdowns, putting him at a standard at 299.80, uh, so essentially 300 points in standard. And then in the PPR format, you're getting him at 373.80 points. Um, so that's per your 16 games. That's a 23.36 per game. Uh, what are your thoughts? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good, I'd say. I mean, with David Johnson, we saw so many touchdowns last season. I think the, that number is going to come down a little bit. I also think they're just not going to pile him on early in the season. It's going to be more of a regimented attack where you're going to cap him in a certain number of carries. They don't really have a big threat uh, in terms of a backup to him. Kerwin Williams is currently looking like the top player, but are they really going to give anybody else in this backfield more than 100 carries throughout the season? Because I don't think so. It, for David Johnson, yeah, he can do more. We saw more last season. That was a lot of touchdowns. But a lot of the ancillary numbers weren't great. He was amazing after contact. He just scored touchdowns and caught passes, which are very, very valuable goddamn things in fantasy football. So I think I'd have him about right. All right. So, I mean, I look at it this way. It, it's tough, right? Your number basically, he's either the number one or the number two draft pick in most fantasy drafts that are going off the board. He, he is the number one draft pick in seventy-one percent of drafts. Okay, seventy-one percent. So now think about it this way: How often does that number one actually fulfill on their uh, promise of what they can give you? You know, it, it's not always that common. And the thing that's interesting, even when you look at these projections, he's basically at two thousand yards, just short of two thousand yards, seventeen touchdowns. So it's a touchdown a week. And over 100 yards a week. Okay, that that's pretty amazing. Now the thing is this: I just look at, at history, and so I'll say, if anything, if I'm going to just take a, a chance to bet on history, I'll say it's an over projection. But at the same time, if I'm drafting at the top of drafts, I'm taking David Johnson. <laughs> so I just want to make that caveat there, because it's a different argument about who would I draft versus when I'm looking at these projections. I'm going to say. I'm gonna do par. I think it's a, I think it's a good call. I think he's um, you know right there one two gonna be the top scorer. So I, I like the call. Let's skip over Kerwin Williams because his projection doesn't matter. Let's talk about the <laughs> core of pass catchers, who right now looks like Larry Fitzgerald, uh, John Brown, J.J. Nelson, and Jermaine Gresham. That's probably their core. They did draft a rookie in Chad Williams in the third round. Other than that, you know it's just a bunch of guys who have been around the block before. But, you know, we haven't seen much from guys like Jerron Brown, but they've shown some glimpses. But Larry Fitzgerald's probably still the guy to own. I mean, after his two years he's had, as, you know, resurrecting in the slot, I think you could safely project him with 135 to 145 targets. I've got him at 141 with 100 catches, uh, 1,079 yards, and seven touchdowns. John Brown, 65 catches, 105 yards, 898 and 5. J.J. Nelson, the deep threat, 38 catches on 71 targets for 607 yards and four scores. 
and Jermaine Gresham, a very low projection, so DRX is happy. Uh, 41 <laughs> on 67 for 327, but... Over-projected on touchdowns for he, Gresham. He could... <laughs> I mean, he could legitimately score five touchdowns. Do you think? I'm not, just I'm falling not down. I'm not, I'm not calling out. I think so, good. is there any of the pass catchers that really stand out there as over, under, yeah, for, for what we've seen? For me, the guy that's the, the major concern is, is the major question mark. is John Brown. Is John Brown going to be what he was tracking to be a couple years ago? Or is John Brown going to be what he's... Kind of been lately, and sickle cell, sickle cell, and, and that's if if it keeps you off the field, and if it doesn't allow you to perform at your optimal levels, then, then it's a major concern. So, and the worst part about it is, it's not like it's just like rehabbing an injury, right? It's something that you live with. So, um, you know, for him, it's I think I think Larry's numbers are, are about spot on. He's not beating anybody downfield or anything like that at this point in time. Just over a thousand yards with the with a good handful of touchdowns that he'll get. I agree. I think that's it. That's dead on. And JJ Nelson, I'm not going to project. All of a sudden, that JJ Nelson is going to become some 50-60 catch receiver. I, I just don't see that happening. So, cool. I'm pretty like, much, I'm pretty much on par with everybody. The only one that concerns me is John Brown. I'm going to go with Larry Fitzgerald a little high. I like that you're doing that. Um, I think he is kind of ageless, but right now you got. I thought last year he had an outstanding season, and um, he kind of did it alone um, in the receiving crew uh, a lot of the time. Uh, so I'm hope I'm not hoping. I like Flip Larry to go nuts, but I think I'm hope I'm thinking he's going to get more help from the uh, from his receiver mates. Uh, so I can see him because right now you got to project to score more points uh, this year than he did last year. Very minor league, but uh, so I'm going to say a little bit high on Larry, but that guy's just a machine. So never bet against Larry Fitzgerald. It could be one of his last seasons, so the guy could be just locked in and wants to do one for the ages and have a swan song on his way out. And Larry Fitzgerald projects as a top 12 wide receiver in PPR, a little bit lower than that in that standard league. But in PPR, you know, this is a guy you could draft a little bit later in the 25s, in the 20s among wide receivers, maybe still see a little bit of the value. But he's also a guy who started out hot in each of the last couple of seasons and really tailed off. So keep that in mind. Cool. Let's go to the next team. We talked a little bit about it with the pre set of the show. Atlanta Falcons, uh, all time offense last year for fantasy and just in general. Uh, Matt Ryan, let's start with him. Uh, reigning MVP of the NFL. You've got him um, at, uh, let's say, 4,603 yards, 29 TDs, and 13 interceptions. He obviously isn't going to really do jack squat for you on the ground. So you've got him coming in uh, at standard 283 points, um, and that comes in at uh, 17.69 per game. Seems a little light, but last year it was so ridiculous. He hasn't. He, he's not really a touchdown guy. Uh, is, he, is all of a sudden going to be better with Sarkisian or whatever that guy's name is? Well, I, I think this is the thing. I, I, number one, I'm, I'm happy when I look at the projection that it comes way down from his 4,944 yards that he threw last year. Uh, as being more realistic. The, the touchdowns and look. It makes sense. I mean, are, are you, you're not really the, even with the dynamic weapons that the Atlanta Falcons have. I can't sit there and really make a case that they're gonna. He's gonna throw for 40 touchdowns, especially when you look at the fact that what Devonta Freeman's had what 14 rushing touchdowns each of the last two years. Or total, touchdowns. total touchdowns, 14 touchdowns each in the last two years. You had Tevin Coleman who added how many touchdowns on the ground last year. This is a team that we've talked all the time about Julio Jones. Me and you, D-Rex, are both on board that he's going to take his touchdown level up a notch. 
but he hasn't been that dominator in the red zone, which is why they spread him out and they're able to use those dynamic duo to, to punch the ball in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, and before this season, before last season, excuse me, he married through 38 touchdowns. His previous career high was 32. And the rest of the seasons, he's in the you know high 20s, 28, 27. Uh, so if, if you want to put him right at 30 touchdowns, I'm not going to argue with you over a touchdown or two. It's not really – I can see it being a little low on the touchdowns, but also the yardage falling back to more career norms. You know, just oh, – these guys made huge plays. Taylor Gabriel, the yak he was able to pick up. Tevin Coleman, what did he average, 13 yards a catch last yeah. season as the running back, which is insane. Um, these guys were just uber efficient in their yards per play. It was like the second or third highest the last 20 years behind the greatest show on turf. Well, I just know when I was doing my career year beware, and I'm looking at the actual plays. I don't, I don't have the, the stats pulled up in front of me, but whatever it was that Matt Ryan did in like amount of plays that were 50-yard pass plays or more, an amount of pass plays that were 30 yards or more, his numbers last year were basically taking his previous two years and combining them to get to that production. So the amount of huge chunk plays that they got last year are going to decrease. Well, and also, just so you know, Stag Party said his high, previous high before last year, 32, that was 2012. So a lot of, a lot of 20, 21 was two and years ago. 2013 was when everyone was projecting him as one of the top quarterbacks, and that's when he completely disappointed everybody. Now, one, one thing I will say with Matt Ryan, his ADP is 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 a little more realistic than you would give it credit for. Yeah, his ADP reflects some regression in his numbers. Absolutely. So you I can still like still, him as a draft pick you this year. Like, I think I've got him as a top five, top six quarterback, and I think when you're paying that price, it's not bad. But if you're going to try and pay a top of the position price like he was last year, like the second quarterback, you know, that's, that's tough to sell me on. You know what would be cool with this? Not trying to give you more work, or maybe it's a, an offset piece. But what if we did, like you're saying, hey, these guys, what if you did like the top ten for each position? Based no, I already got that. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go on to. Well, let's, let's look quickly uh, when I look at the wide receivers here. So no, I'm not like, leaving the team. Oh, okay. Are we going? Are we not? Skip the running backs. Yeah, yeah, Devonta, Devonta Freeman. I love him. Um, but I love him just, and you, you got it pretty, pretty set here. His consistency of both, both the running and passing is, is un, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, so. with, with Devonta Freeman, it's really just combinations of the first two years. If he does something different, you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a surprise to me. He's just been so consistent over the last two years, taking over that top running back spot, and it really just depends on Tevin Coleman. Are they gonna give him much more than ten carries, you know, a week? Because with, with Devonta Freeman in there, I sort of doubt it. But, you know, Tevin Coleman also catching some passes and just having a you know, well-rounded game because we saw him score some touchdowns last year. I don't think those are going to completely disappear. I think he's got some value, too. I don't think I'm going to draft him over some of the other starting running backs like some people are. Mm-hmm. But I think right Talking when you about get Freeman? Talking about Kevin, no, Coleman. Tevin Coleman. Coleman. Once you get into the back end RB2, maybe RB3 range, that's when I'm comfortable pulling the trigger. But I'm not going to draft him as RB18 like some people. Yeah. Well, no, and this is the thing that I think you have to understand. I think it's right on. I think it's, it's a perfect kind of projection for Devonta Freeman. I think he's that type of player. And I think what's smart about Atlanta is that they've realized we're not going to make him 
a different player by all of a sudden giving him 325 uh, rushing attempts. Yeah. We want to keep him fresher. That's why they 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 utilize uh, Tevin Coleman as, as basically it goes like two third, one third is kind of how they do that split in that offense. So. With that being said, you get a more effective, fresher Freeman when he's out there. You get the bigger chunk plays, but you're not going to get those extended, oh, he gets vultured on touchdowns sometimes. But the fact is, as I mentioned earlier, they run so much in the red zone right now by spreading people out and using these guys to their advantage that it's not really a detriment for these yeah. guys. And the thing I think is, I think you're more likely to see Tevin Coleman be the injured item in this backfield. But if Devontae Freeman is, does get injured, if either of them get injured, the other guy just catapults and just skyrockets. Yeah, he's a weekly RB1. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. And isn't Tevin Coleman also a guy that suffers with sickle cell? I think so. I think he is. Because I think I remember like when he wasn't was maybe not going to play in that Denver game and then he played. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Let's go on to the wide receivers there. And that's uh, Julio. Uh, we got 97 catches on 151 targets for 1,467 yards and, ooh, nine touchdowns. Kind of nice for uh, Julio. Julio putting him at standard at about 200, uh, 200.70. And then PPR just a smidge under 300 points at 297.70. Um, and that's 18.61 uh, points per game if you place uh, over 16. So I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to say... Under. <laughs> no, it, feels, it feels good. I think, I think it could be a little more across, across the yardage and the, and the catches. But I think nine might be a little high for him. Hopefully Sarkeesian saying that he's going to change that up. But... Um, I drink as much beer as that guy does, so who the hell knows what that dude's talking about. Um, I think it's about right. I'm going to say it's going to even out, so it's par, but I would switch around some of the stats. I think maybe it comes around on a TD, but I can see him. I can see the yards, and maybe I can see him breaking the 100th century mark. For him, it's the same thing. It's like the guy, the guy needs to stay healthy, and they need to figure out how to get him the ball in the red zone. I mean, I agree with what you said. I mean, I, I think that if you're probably, when I was looking at it, if, you, if I was going to anticipate what his projected touchdown total would be, I would have thought seven. So to give it up to nine, I think, you know, then that allows for the 1,400 whatever. I think it's, so I think it's right on. It would be the second highest touchdown season of his career. But also, he's got two seasons of playing a full 16 games. In those seasons, he scored eight and ten touchdowns. So if he's there for all 16 you know, eight or nine feels about right. One thing with him also, it could be an outlier season where he has one of those, like, kind of best season of all time, kind of Randy Moss, Jerry Rice kind of things. I don't know when it is, but he's young enough. Well, you and one, I believe it's one, this year. One of, one of those seasons is coming where he does, like, the Calvin Johnson thing from three years ago where it's, like, almost 2,000 yards, has a lot of touchdowns, and is basically MVP because he's got that kind of talent. Hopefully, I think he's working through it. It wasn't his 2015 season, though? Or not, I mean, I, it, was, it was. Remember, he got banged up. So if he had kept going, um, he was on pace. He was looking sweet. He's now. one of these guys that absolutely still has it in the tank. Yeah, so it's he, not like he can I mean, his best season is ahead of him, I yeah. think. Yeah, he's just 28 years old. Right about 28, 29, 30 is, you know, right when the peak season happens. After that, you know, you might want to start not placing that bet anymore. I agree. Let's <laughs> quickly go through Sanu and Gabriel, like, real quickly. I'll just give you the stats on him. Sanu, you've got him pretty low at 80.9 uh, um, on standard, and that uh, goes over to PPR at 131. I like it. Sanu's a guy. 
Um, you know, I think Gabriel's the one who's getting a little more uh, love and maybe drafted a bit more. And he, him, you've got at 101.3. Uh, no, sorry, 108.3, and then uh, in PPR, that's 163.3. I, I don't, I, it's hard to call for I me. think Gabriel might be a little high. I, 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 I can't, it's hard to see Gabriel catching 738 yards and five touchdowns because I think he's more of just a gadget player. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if they use him enough. And I think that they enjoyed the toy a little bit toward the end of last year, but it is. He is more of that gimmick player. He, you know, there's better options throughout the offense, and I think the other reason why you're not going to see as big of a growth out of him, and I think another reason why Mohamed Sanu might see a little bit more of uh, attrition from where he's at, is I'm really interested to see what the development of Austin Hooper is in his second season, because he was a big play, basically wide receiver out of the tight end spot for him. If you can get him feeling comfortable and, and exploiting things like he was last year, that yards per catch and everything is, is, is pretty phenomenal. So I think that, again, projecting him, though, with five touchdowns, I think is what makes it kind of an even rating. I could see him busting some touchdowns, but we'll see. He's, he's, he's a tough call. Who knows? We haven't not seen. He had so many uh, big moments and small. It was small just big games. plays that seemed yeah. like broken plays that he scored on. And it was just like, oh, that, that's a tough thing to look at again. Well, before we go on to the Baltimore Ravens, how about you guys do us a favor and listen to this. Thank you. All right, Baltimore Ravens. Let's breeze through these guys and um, hit it up, and let's, let's try and make up a little bit of time here with this club. So the Baltimore Ravens are a tough team to project overall. It's going to depend a lot on you know what they do with Danny Woodhead. Is he going to be you know still a premier pass catcher out of the backfield? Are they going to get Kenneth Dixon immediately involved in the run game once he gets back? But I really think where you want to know is in the passing game. How do Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace, and Brashard Perriman stack up? Because we know Joe Flacco is a streaming option at quarterback. He's going to play you know, well at home and not be a great play most of the other weeks. But he's probably going to end up right around QB 20, maybe a little bit higher. Like he has you know, pretty much his entire goddamn career. Projecting <laughs> much more for that, for that guy is you know, just fool's gold. Yeah. But this is also a team that ran a lot of plays and threw the ball more than anybody. So it always seems like they do. They're that's that's right. been trusting over the last couple of years. Yeah. Does that change with Morningwig? And how does the offense change overall? Well, I think it's going to change with Morningwig. And I think what's also interesting, though, is that, that the fact that you added Macklin. You know, when you were projecting what this team was going to be without them having him on the roster, and then you add him, that's where it kind of throws a, a bit of a monkey wrench. So it's like, I think I'm pretty com- comfortable with the Joe Flacco uh, predictions. I think now it makes it so much more of a crapshoot when it comes to projecting how are those yards going to be distributed amongst veterans, Macklin, uh, Wallace, and then throw in the young guy, Rashad Perriman. What, what's surprising to me, and I, let's just compare, let's just do Wallace and Macklin here. We're not going to be able to talk about every freaking player on every team, you know what I mean? So, right now, I'm surprised I know you're a Wallace guy. And you've got Macklin uh, projected now higher, a new member of this whole squad. At standard, you've got Macklin at 130.10, and Wallace in standard, 127.70. And then you go to PPR, uh, you've got Macklin at 209. 
uh, and then you've got uh, Wallace at 202. That is both pretty solid numbers. So you're you're obviously you can't be as high as you were on Perriman, right? He's the sufferer. Perriman was the major sufferer from Macklin signing, in my opinion. Because Jeremy Macklin, if you look at his average depth of target, you know, the routes he runs, how he wins on plays, he's very similar to the departed Steve Smith. We've seen Steve Smith over the last couple of years be their possession receiver, you know, average sort of the most targets per game when in the lineup. You know, get just over a thousand yards the last couple of years. So he, I, I think, Macklin slots right into that you know departed role of Steve Smith. Hmm. Perriman's gonna be a situational field stretcher, but Mike Wallace was that guy last year, and I don't think they're gonna take him out of that role. You know, right away. I think right, he's he's in line for another 120 target season, basically because. We've seen him do it with Flacco. We've seen him take the slant 97 yards. We've seen the deep play. And I don't think Macklin affected basically Mike Wallace at all. Just no, because they play such different roles. I think what it did, though, is it affected Mike Wallace in a way that it kind of makes Mike Wallace more one-dimensional than he was last year. Um, so that's where I think he actually takes a little bit more of a hit because I think Macklin just becomes much more of going to become that safety blanket type of a play. And I think what you're going to be able to do with where I think they're going to, I think, I still think now with Macklin there, I agree that Macklin ends up being the person that's higher. I think that Perriman doesn't actually get hurt as much as uh, I think Wallace is going to get hurt. I think it's going to kind of be a thing where you're going to see a lot of times that they're going to put these three guys out there at the same time. And where more attention might be getting paid to Wallace, and Perriman also has great speed as well for those downfield plays. So I think he could eat into Wallace more than, and Macklin taking away the what, what possession targets he was getting last year. Well, it looks like when you look, I mean, I, it, it, it points across the board. This is a team that you're thinking is scoring a lot of fantasy points because you got Woodhead, and then uh, West is getting uh, 172 in PPR. So there's a lot of miles to feed. So I think that points towards Flacco in, in a positive way. But it'll be interesting to watch. Woodhead's kind of in PPR leagues. He's, he's going pretty high. There's one thing you got to keep in mind about this team, though. It's an old team. Yeah. you got a lot of old players out there. So as long as they can keep, keep them together. Yeah, right? Well... There was, that was the well, they, already, they, they already couldn't keep it together. Dennis Pitta lost a hip. Jesus Christ, poor guy. Here's the Dennis Pitta. Well, I'll do this one for him. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure! We've come too far! There's too much to lose! We've got to keep our composure! That was Pitta talking to his hip after every practice. Um, all right, let's go on to the Buffalo Bills. Ty God. Uh, you got Ty God uh, coming in at 3,555 yards, 22 TDs, 9 interceptions. But we know that the real angle that he brings to the table is the 102 rushes. You think he's going to have 575 yards and 5 TDs. That puts him at um, just under 300 points, which is probably a top 10 QB right or top twelve? Uh, it projects him for exactly QB seven right now. Wow! Basically, that's where he's paced at the last couple of years. I know he's been right around QB eight to QB ten in points per game. Except they keep doing something dumb at the end of the season, so he only plays fourteen or fifteen games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he gets in a full sixteen game schedule and it just shows what he can do. Unless the Bills. Bills themselves again. <laughs> well, let's go to McCoy. I think, you know, I agree. 
they've got a, he was playing with the biggest D-bag uh, coaching staff in the world um, with the Ryans. Uh, it's just... It didn't seem like it was their season last year. Everything was pointing towards. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just like <laughs> bad times happening over there. Bad juju going on. So hopefully uh, Tyrod, I can see him. Here's what I'm going to call on that. I'm saying you got him low. Um, and I just think the stats, we know, we've said this before, you're like, I remember I was ripping on you last year about your love tag. And you're like, where do you think you finished overall? I'm like, uh, 14? You're like, 7. And <laughs> when you look at the stats right here, even on your projections, they say 14. But just because you can add that running element, uh, they add up to seven. So I'd say you're a little low because I think he could go. I think he could do more this year. And finally, he's kind of got the confidence that they got that old regime out that was talking about maybe letting him go. Maybe he's gonna be on Cleveland this year and all that stuff. They, they got him a new weapon in Zay Jones, kind of guy that I think is like the perfect, perfect guy. Hopefully Watkins can stay healthy and same with McCoy. And damn, this is, uh, I think he could have a better season. I, I think he can have a better season, too. I'll, I'll say that it's an under-projection. I'll say because if Sammy Watkins, I'm going to project him to be out there. If Sammy Watkins can stay healthy and stay on the field, that helps immensely. The other reason is because I'm not, I would say that um, LaShawn McCoy projected at 236 carries for 1,118 yards, 9 touchdowns, 48 receptions on 62 targets uh, for 399 yards and 2 touchdowns. I will say that that is a over-projection. I'm, I'm of the mind here, this is a guy in LaShawn McCoy who I agree exactly where he's kind of slotted in my tiers, but he's a guy that I probably, I'm, I'm not putting any faith in. I don't want to be the guy that's drafting him to start my team around. He's kind of at that age where things are changing, the regime is now changing, things might, you know, they're adding more weapons onto the passing game there. Um, I, I like it for him, though, that my Gillisley's gone. That's what I was going to say. I get that it, biggest but I'm worried more world. about, you know, I, I just, I, I'm worried that the wheels are going to come off, and I, I'm worried that it's this year for McCoy. And what I will say is quarterback-wise, SOS, another, uh, I think that's tab five in the uh, pyro draft kit. Um, strength schedule for the Bills at quarterback is seventh. So that means they have the seventh easiest schedule for quarterbacks. And then for um, running backs, it's sixth. So these guys are slated to have a, a somewhat of an easier schedule at those uh, those two spots. Uh, it's a little more middle of the road uh, at the wide receiver action, but I think that obviously fares well for what these guys can do. Um, should we – anyone else you want to talk about on that team? Sammy Watkins. Go for it. So Sammy Watkins just – Based off the things he's done in his career, you know, a pretty average target share off 474 passing attempts, you know, 133 targets, 77 receptions, 1108 yards, and eight touchdowns. Sammy Watkins, you guys talk about his first three years compared to Julio Jones, number of games played, similar injuries, similar numbers over those three years. You got to look up and think, I can get Sammy Watkins in the third round. When could I have ever gotten Julio Jones in the first, you know, in the third round after his first two seasons? I like Julio that. was better, no doubt. But Sammy can hold a candle next to him. Like this is a guy in a contract. Gonna, I like that. He's, That's also, what I was say, he's also got to have a lighter though, because the candle keeps getting blown out. <laughs> <laughs> he's a contract year guy, and they've flat out said when Ebron's getting his fifth year option picked up, and the Bills are saying to you, "We're not picking it up." It's basically like. Let's see what you got. You got one season to make your do here. 
Yeah, my only issue is is that I, I think he gets hurt by Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor is going to give you that 500 rushing yards. It takes away from those passing yards. This is where the difference between him and Julio Jones. Julio Jones got a quarterback that doesn't run for more than 10 yards a year. Um, you know, so everything is going through the air, so that's where Julio gets those 1,400-plus-yard seasons. And look at the projection here where we have 1,108 yards. That's the only problem. Is is, is same thing with all these guys. Is that Sammy might give you a game here or two, but then he's going to be some duds. And that's kind of the same thing with Tyrod. Tyrod's not giving you like those Joe Flacco crushing weeks, but he's also not giving you the complete downer weeks. He's just giving you kind of an even flow. Yeah, that's for sure. He's even got, flow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, great Pearl Jam song. But you're right. That is something that Ty God does. He basically will ch- chunk away and have you a consistent like 14 points per week. 17 he's, points yeah. per week. He's never going to fucking explode on you. He's no 45 point us. games, yeah. but no three point games. Quick question: and the way you've got these projections go about, you're thinking you're, you're seeing a pretty nice season for Zay Jones. You're seeing uh, almost as many catches as Sammy uh, on a little bit less of a, a, a target look. Um, you're thinking he's going to be up near 900 yards or uh, over 800. 73 but, catches, 820. And I, I like it because I think this guy's going to be real good right out of the gates. Also, I think his style of play is that short area possession receiver that we've sort of seen occupied by Robert Woods. Robert oh, Woods is now gone. The rest of the competition at wide receiver consists of basically Andre Holmes and no one. Um, so Zay Jones is probably going to step into 110, 220 targets in a pretty decent offense. And I, like Vegas has him favored to lead all rookie receivers in receiving yards. Hmm. Well, didn't he have 211 catches last year or something? Not that crazy. I'm <laughs> 211? Yes. It is that it, it's it's like 176 or something. last two years' stats, if you look at him, like, is that targets? No, I'm just going to say, I think that's an overprojection. Uh, you know what? When a rookie's able to come in and, and do that, and they're not the, the number one or two wide receiver taken, I'm going to be surprised. Cool. I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a junkie. He's the number so four receiver taken, right? That's why I said no, not number one or number two. Well, I question I got for you, um, and then quickly we'll move on. Uh, if you've got it off the top of your head, where does those projections slot Sammy Watkins finishing the season off? Uh, Standard 15, uh, PPR like 19. I think it's fair. And he, the thing about Sam Watkins, and this is something that I like doing in any draft, a little strategy, and what I do in my mocks, what I do on my teams, I want a guy that I know is a high draft, a high draft pick, and I know a guy that could, could if all the stars align, could be a top five, could just be a, a stud. The, remember, Sammy Watkins has finished as a top seven receiver. That's honestly, yeah. But you want to draft Devontae Adams over Sammy Watkins? I, I, people are advocating no. that. No, I want to know a guy that if everything works out, his <laughs> his ceiling, his true ceiling is his true ceiling is, is nothing close to this. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. No, he's, he's, hampered, oh, he's hampered by his quarterback. If he had a quarterback that wasn't running the ball, that was throwing for forty three hundred yards uh, a that, year, that he would be a fourteen hundred yard receiver. Yeah. And Quarter, I, okay. One one interesting thing. Yeah. Quarterbacks, you know, once they hit the age twenty eight, you want to know how many have rushed for more than five hundred yards in a season? One. Steve Young? Seven. Seven, okay. Steve Young <laughs> seven ish seven instances of this happening in history. Of the NFL. Yeah, no, I got you. So you know, like Steve Young, Rich Gannon, you know, Mike Vick twice, Randall oh, Cunningham. Was Bobby Douglas that old? He might no. have been when he was running uh, no. the Vince Ferragamo. 
Carolina Panthers, we got to move on and hustle through this. Uh, Cam Newton, I like this. 4,000 yards passing at 4,057. 24 TDs with 13 interceptions. On the ground, you've got him uh, with 106 rushes, 481 yards, and 4 TDs. Uh, that puts him at a stand at a, the scoring of 304.38. So if that's if you had Tyrod being seventh, that means that you've got Cam either being six or five somewhere in that six. zone. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm, to, I'm starting to sour on that a little bit. I think that might be too high. Just overall QB five. I'm starting to have a lot of concerns over sort of Cam Newton. Like can can he pass for four thousand yards? Because he hasn't done it since his rookie year. Yeah, right. So yeah, maybe right. that's a real high projection. And, you know, he's had how many seasons above 24 touchdown passes? It's like two, I think? Or one. One. Well, one with 24 okay. and one with 35. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all those things, maybe his passing numbers are a little bit high. But also all the weapons, you know, Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and just getting rid of some of the old guard Targets that are going to Kelvin Benjamin yeah. and going to more dynamic players could help him. Here's, so, here's the one thing I'll say about him, and then let's move on to some of these other dynamic players. He's another guy where ADP swings, it swings, he's important. sweet whispers. Where this yeah. is a guy in the last three years that has been the first or or, or, or a higher uh, top five quarterback taken this year. People have soured on him, and this is still a younger player that's hungrier this year. I think last year he was just a little fucked up from that Super Bowl loss. The whole team was in a bad spot. So Cam Newton, I think, is a guy that's just like right now he's under the radar. He's, he's disfavored, and he eat run when people. People are walking, walk when they run. He is a guy who probably go higher in your home league, though. Like in your home league, he's not going to be somebody people sour on. People in my league don't like him. It depends. I mean, I mean it really depends league. because you know you get the people, people that people in your leagues don't like rushing quarterbacks and don't like winning money. I, but but I, I <laughs> with you, I take advantage of it. They don't they think they don't like his outfits. They don't like his hats. They don't like his post-game sour pussiness, his lack of leadership. They don't like the fact that he won a championship. They don't like him, which I think is bogus. I do like him for that stuff. Boston championship? His Fort Wayne Auburn, yeah. Um, oh, okay. So they don't like. They just don't like him. So mm-hmm. it's like you get this. Like I hate that guy. There's just certain people that hate his his uh, flamboyant kind of out there personality, and and I don't really give a shit about that. So you, use that to your benefit. If guys in your league don't like a player because of how, who he is off the field, uh, and you think he's going to score fantasy football points, who gives a shit? We're not scoring points for no. post game uh, Canadian. Uh, He's, it's amazing though that he is one of these players I've seen as very volatile in all my leagues, whether it be um, dynasty leagues where he was drafted and then dropped, and then to see where he goes in an auction the next year. He's either had leagues where I mean I've seen him go for sixty-five dollars, and a couple years ago when he had that amazing year, I actually got him for ten bucks. So that year that he went crazy, I drafted him in the thirteenth round. Right, because nobody—it's like it's amazing. People are either they're either on cam or they're off cam. I, I, I can't explain it. I don't understand why. It's so, going to be an off year. For the him. best part about it always is this: when you go after him after an off year, you're you're getting so much more value. People are sour. He still he has something else to prove. They were you know now he's and the thing about this year he's got more weapons now. I like the young weapons that he's got. They don't have to do a ton. Although I think McCaffrey's going to do a ton more than Samuel. But Samuel's what he can do will add so much for Cam. Last thing I'll say in this move, some other guys, Cam Newton, it goes along with what you're saying. He's been a league winner. 
He's been that player that we tag. You hear it on, oh, total league winner. He's done it. In my league, it was a rookie start. He's done it three times. So I like a guy that can, when things go all right, put your, put your team on his back and win you weeks and win you the whole league. So uh, let's go quickly, Jonathan Stewart. Um, you guys, let's, let's pass okay. him. We know Stewart, what he's going to do. Stewart, we'll the thing about Stewart is I'll say this. I think it's an overprojection. I think that McCaffrey is going to make such an impact. McCaffrey will not have more carries than Jonathan Stewart. I'm not saying he's going to have more carries. He will have more yards because when's the last time that you saw uh, Jonathan Stewart bust out two 20-yard runs in a row? I'll guarantee you before week four, Christian McCaffrey will already have like three 20-yard runs. I like it. I, 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 think, these projections, I think these projections are, are – are, are good for both the guys. So let's let's go up through McCaffrey. You've got him uh, toting the ball 154 times for 667 yards and three touchdowns. But we know that where he really makes his payday is uh, 60 catches on 84 targets, 607 yards, and that's uh, with three touchdowns. So in a PPR format, you've got him scoring 223.4 points, and that's that's uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, an that's, over, that's that's a lot an over, for a rookie. That's an over projection because that's also considering that the Carolina Panthers changed their offense to suit Christian McCaffrey. Because if we look at just what they've done the past three years, they've targeted running backs each season like 84 times. Like all, yeah, of, them, all of them total. So if we give him 84 targets, that means I think there's a bump in the passes going to running backs, how Cam Newton uses them, creativity of the sort of play caller and getting him the ball. This, this is the thing. These, these are the hardest guys to project, okay? When you have immense talents that are coming in, then how they're actually going to affect in an offense. So I understand it. I think it's fair. It's 1,200-something total yards with, with six touchdowns. That's that's a solid year. I think he could easily do that. How it all how it all shakes itself out is, is one thing to be seen. But I, I can easily see... I just I look at it. I understand what you're saying about all the running backs that were there before. We're talking about Cameron Artis Payne. We're talking about Fozzie Whitaker. We're talking about doesn't matter. I Ru- know, but Rush, such rushing quarterbacks. Rushing quarterbacks have a negative correlation on passing to running backs. That's, yeah, that's it. Cam is also getting more gun shy about running backs. Here, yeah, for sure. They had concussion. Fucked them up a little bit last year. Last thing I'll say, I think if you take if, if the owner of that team, what, Richardson or whatever, is they're taking him to eight pick a white running back. Got to be the highest white running back's been taken since Riggins. Um, that he's sitting there, he's like coaching staff, Shula, Riverboat, Ron, Cam, get your asses in here. We're changing our offense to suit this, or we're not making this fucking pick. But Cam just started throwing yesterday. I know, so I, know, I, know. I know. So it's sort of hard for him. To get in there. I know it wasn't a draft pick, but who was the white running back uh, that lit it up for the Browns and then got way overdrafted? Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis uh, made the cover uh, of uh, Madden. So I. Yeah, the the other guys in this offense, I think we just do Benjamin. I think we know Benjamin can get nearly a thousand yards and maybe seven or eight touchdowns. Uh, his projection might be high because if I don't think Samuel's going to do much as a receiver in his first year. Um, if, if I'm wrong on that, then it's definitely going to probably come off a little bit off, you know, off Devin Funchess, who uh, it's probably what six fifty and five touchdowns come a little bit off. You know, Greg Olson, who's 900, you know, nearly 1,000 yards and, you know, five, six touchdowns. It's going to come off those guys and Benjamin and maybe even a little bit of McCaffrey. And there are people saying that 
Curtis Samuel could legit be the number one wide receiver for this team by season's end because he's already better at catching the ball than Kelvin Benjamin. And thinking with that line of thought, I can't really disagree. No. <laughs> I, I think it's he's he's going to be electric. I think he's a great best ball about player. He's going to have a couple huge games. I really do believe that. Uh, I think he's he's he, there's a huge window of what can happen with Samuel. He might his, his he might be out, he might his be range rookie. of outcomes is huge. He could be rookie of the friggin' year. Just yeah. be like the most unbelievable head turner there is. Um, he's got that kind of skill set. La- last thing I'll say quickly just about Greg Olson, though, projecting him at 988 yards, uh, six touchdowns. I'm, I think that this is where we start to see Olsen start to come down from, from the steady horse that he's been. Yeah. So I, I think that's an over-projection. I, I see him probably closer to high 800s, low 900 yards, sure. and maybe five touchdowns. So, sure. But, okay. yeah. I think, I think they're all good here for a tight end. Yeah, I think it's I think it's, it's pretty solid. Yes, but let's move on to Chicago Bears. We probably only need to talk about two players. Okay. One of them is Jordan Howard, who you know first second round pick. I have him with a slight increase in carries to 283, but with that I have a decrease in yards per carry. Uh, 1,287 yards, eight touchdowns. I think the eight touchdowns might be. Fucking optimistic. Yeah, that's the that's the one problem for for Howard is like you know he's going to earn all of his yards out there, but he does not have any protection from definite weapons in the passing game. He doesn't have protection from a solid quarterback. So teams are going to say we're not going to let Jordan Howard beat us. It's going to have to be Mike Lennon. It's going to have to be Kevin Prove Yourself White, and it's going to have to be Cam Meredith and the other bunch of trash that you signed at wide receiver in the off season. And probably one of the guys that'll be. More interesting toward the second half of the season, um, and interestingly, he's not even projected on here yet. But I think that it's a crowded position at tight end for the Bears too. But it's almost why you can't even take a tight end. Adam Shaheen will be the guy that will be interesting, but he won't really be interesting until after Week Eight. And even then, with Deion Sims, Zach Miller, uh, there's another guy there too. There's too many fucking tight ends. Who's the other guy you wanted to talk about? I'm not going to say a word about the Bears. Bates. One thing I did, well, I am going to say one thing. That piece that uh, Heartbeat uh, posted that gave us a little glimpse of today, the Bears are have like a, a collective more talent from uh, uh, positive ratings from PFF uh, from last year than you would have given. They were like a top five team. Top five, really? Yeah. Uh, I think it's mostly because of the strength of their offensive line. They, they're good when they're in there, but they weren't in there at all last year between Josh Sitton and Kyle Long. Uh, and I... Pro Football Focus just released their uh, offensive line rankings, and they have the Chicago Bears as the fifth offensive line in football. That is real surprising to me because their fucking tackles are trash. Yeah, that is They are great on the interior. Tackles are fucking trash. (laughs) Uh, But Jordan Howard, what, led the league in yards between the tackles? So if you keep doing that, great. I worry about Jordan Howard because... There's been great running backs in history, right? There's been great running backs who rush for 250 yards and over 5.05 yards per carry. You know how many of them do that again the next season? Three. You want to know the names of them? Barry Sanders, O.J. Simpson, and... Eric Dickerson? No, I don't remember the third. Uh, Jordan Howard? No. (laughs) And... Oh, God. O.J. Simpson and another Hall of Famer who I can't seem to remember right now. Marcus Allen? Walter Payton? No, no. Doesn't matter. Walter Payton's never reached those marks. So if we think Jordan Howard's going to run for 5.2 yards a carry next season, you're fucking smoking dope. 
Um, I still, that, that's all I, I have. still, we may be smoking dope, but um, okay, I, I want to be. We produce fuzz. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break right now. Good. Uh, we'll listen are, to a break from our sponsors. We, we while actually we are doing that this. next one. But who's the other bear you wanted to talk about? Cameron, Cameron Meredith. Okay. I think he's the most interesting person in drafts. He's the guy who's being drafted the uh, most high uh, from the wide receivers. You know, I think he could see another you know decent season, but I think he's more of a wide receiver four or five. I, I have a hard time seeing him getting over. A thousand yards, even if he is targeted, you know, 115, 120 times. All right. Well, I like it, Chicago Bears. Before we get to the next team, the Cincinnati Bengals, do us a favor and listen to this word from our sponsor. Cincinnati Bengals. Let's go through it. I think uh, we'll talk about AJ Green and um, let's bunch those running backs together, and then let's move on. The, the way the drafts are going right now, Andy Dalton essentially isn't a uh, isn't a QB one draftable guy. I think he's got upside to be top twelve, but um, anyway. I I think that's wrong. I think he should be. I think he should absolutely be one of those guys who you're thinking about as your starter. And if you drafted a back-end QB1, Andy Dalton definitely is in consideration right around QB14 for me. I'm drafting him way ahead of guys like Carson Wentz, who people expect to break out. His touchdown rate was the only thing that really suffered. But Andy Dalton played great with the fucking cast of characters last season. Mm-hmm. Like, he just didn't get touch thirteen in my tears. So. I, like I, I think he should I, absolutely like be considered. Yeah, yeah. People are. I hate, don't like. But this is also what's interesting when you're looking at what's the difference between quarterback eight and quarterback fifteen. Nothing. It's it's a matter of about twenty points on the season, which is about one point per week. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, I'm going to stand out and, and let you guys quickly. Let's, we need to catch up on a couple teams, so maybe the Bengals and the Cleveland Browns are uh, a good ones to kind of get caught up a little bit. Well, so, here, here's, here's, where I'll, here's where I'll go on this one. So when you look at um, Cincinnati, the one that's interesting that stands out to me, I, I'm, I'm down with A.J. Green. I think that's a good projection. 93 catches, 1,262 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, sure, ju- no ju- problems, right? No, I think that's – I mean, he's – He's that type of guy. He's easily a guy that could be 14, 1,500 yards if he can if, if he puts it all together and is 100% healthy all year. Um, John Ross is the one that's interesting. You know, seeing him, but I, I, I don't disagree with it. Okay, so we have him at um, 41 catches on 75 targets for 702 yards versus Tyler Boyd, who's getting more catches at 45 uh, on 71 targets, only 467 yards. And Tyler Boyd didn't do anything last year that makes me feel that all of a sudden he's going to step up and become this eight eight hundred yard machine. And that's why they got they added a John Ross. So I, I kind of like that projection. Again, this is a, a younger receiver, but it's big play, and that's what he's going to bring. Yeah, Tyler Boyd caught more passes and you know for more yardage last season. I just think they're going to use John Ross. They're yeah, going to use they him in a certain role. They've got ideas on how they're going to use him. So, hey, boy, take the top off that defense for AJ. You know, let Tyler Eifert get over the seat. Yeah. Um, Hopefully Eifert's helping. And remember, Tyler Boyd did a lot of that when AJ Green wasn't playing. Yeah, and so. he's sort of the guy who's going to be the slot receiver over the middle, uh, but not much more than that. Mm-hmm. The real question for the Bengals for me, I, I'm not drafting any of their other pass catchers outside of Tyler Eifert and AJ Green, I think. Ross is a guy you keep on the ether, you know, maybe Tyler Boyd if you're desperate in PPR for a certain number of points in a replacement week. But, you know, it's the backfield. How does that shake out? 
Because is Jeremy Hill going to be the guy that gets buried right away? Is Or is he going to be a goal line only back? Because he's been very effective at scoring touchdowns through the course of his career inside the five-yard line. He scored 20 touchdowns out of 39 opportunities inside the five. That conversion rate's very strong. Like, because he's good at that, do they take it away? Because they want to see Joe Mixon and if he can do that. Does Gio Bernard come back from in week one? Or does he get put on the pup list, which they're saying probably is not going to happen? Or does he miss two or three weeks? They take it slow with them, you know, only give him a handful of carries, make him their return man. That's going to be another interesting aspect. And then how does the rookie Joe Mixon mix into Oh, mix it, mix it, do it. Oh, you like that? But basically, is he a 200-plus touch guy, or is he going to be stuck in 175 sort of timeshare with the rest of these guys? Because right now, he's not being drafted like it's a timeshare. He's being drafted like he's potentially an RB1. Yeah, that's because he's being drafted when you're looking at the other guys that are there and going... It may not be this. You may not be that great for me in the first four or five weeks, but come week six on, all that other trash is going to get cleared out, and he's going to be the man. I think there's a lot of wishful thinking happening all across, or uh, um, projecting, I suppose, uh, in this this backfield. There's so many unknowns that I'm personally going to be staying away, just from what I've been seeing. I had an opportunity. Uh, The king of wishful thinking. I mean, I could have taken (laughs) Hill a number of times, and I just like no, 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 no. no. What did he just go in our mock? Round 13? Yeah, I don't know. And I like Hill more than anybody else here. I'm going to say this. I think Hill, you've got too low. I think Gio Bernard, just because of the injury, I think you've got a little high. And Mixon, I'd say that's par. But he's either going to have plenty more or plenty less So, so you, you think Hill's <laughs> going to be the starter? I, I, don't, I think he's going to not all of a sudden evaporate. I don't think, but if you have him really low. That's all, I don't think he's going to be like awesome, but you got him at uh, you know 106 points in, in standard. Obviously, he doesn't catch. Well, the, pro- the problem I have for Jeremy Hill is PPR. You don't want the guy. Nixon is not going to be able to take it over right away unless he can establish in the preseason and in training camp that he's a better blocker. True. Let's go on. Uh, unless you got any last words, let's move on to uh, Cleveland Browns. I think on this one we talk about Crow. Um, maybe that's it. If you want to talk about Britt and Coleman, so be it. But let's go Isaiah Crowell. 204 carries for 930 yards and 7 TDs. And really not doing much for you at 35 catches for 268. Zero TDs receiving. Um, which brings him at a, a 161.8 in standard and 196 in PPR. Um, for where he's going, those numbers don't equate to his draft slot. My, I mean, it it projects him for Q, uh, running back 19. Uh, my problem with that is now he's just storming up draft boards he and is. he's going in the third or fourth round. And every mock at, uh, you see, it's like, okay, I like Isaiah Crowell. I don't fucking like Isaiah Crowell in the third round. Oh. I don't like Isaiah Crowell in the fourth round. I liked Isaiah Crowell when I could get him in the sixth or seventh round yeah. as my RB2 when I went a little heavier on wide receivers. I will not be paying that price. I'm going to let somebody else do it because I know the production is just going to be – he's going to be one of those guys that gives you eight points a week or something. And if he's on a better team, 
then you're but thinking different. It's the talent the levels thing. there. Maybe his opportunities not there. But it's the Cleveland Browns. They only score so many touchdowns, and they're usually probably going to have to be passing themselves back into the game. Thank and you. Crowell is not going to be a part of that action. And that's the other thing, too. You look at this projection, I say that this is probably on a high end for him. You're, you're, is he? Uh, he's not a perennial thousand-yard running running back, and, and projecting seven rushing touchdowns for a Cleveland Brown offense. You know, I, I just think it's. I, I agree with Stags hundred percent. He's a sixth, seventh round guy that you're drafting as a running back, but if he's going that high, this is called an overreach. You don't want to draft running backs on the, some of the three to four worst teams in the league. They are not why you guys, competitive. Why are you guys really campaigning for Jordan Howard then? Because he's got a good offensive line and he, he's he's better. Okay. He's better. He, he he was a second. He does already in one season already has over. He had what twelve hundred yards. Didn't even play those first games. Yeah, so I mean he's done it. He at least has a resume in one year. And, uh, and then Isaiah Crowell has a resume of eight touchdowns in the season in his rookie year. 952 rushing yards last year, uh, nearly 4.8 yards per carry, but it was very, he broke off a couple of big ones, runs. and they account for a lot of his yards. My problem is, I just won't pay that price. I think he could get over 1,000 yards. Yeah. I just don't know if he's one of those guys that's going to put it all together. Even though he did catch more passes towards the tail end of last season, and sort of phased Duke Johnson out a little bit when they said he's the workhorse. And we've seen Hugh Jackson give the ball to the running back a lot, no matter the team. But let me ask you this question, because this is where it comes down to real quick. It's real fast thing when you're, when you're looking at it. Can all of a sudden Isaiah Crowell be at 1,150 yards on the ground and double-digit touchdowns? Yeah. Double-digit touchdowns? Really? No. I mean, he can. 1,200 yards? If they let him be the bell cow and they don't... And they Rushing keep throwing Duke, yeah. Duke in the mix because Duke, on that team. Duke, I had Crowell last year for the first time in my life, and it was one of those same things where Duke all of a sudden he felt like there was this momentum going and beating the teams down, and then all of a sudden they're doing the dinking the ball out of the backfield uh, tosses to Duke. And maybe like, that's Duke, because Isaiah's tight. Keep on ramming. I know. I'm like keep ramming the guy. So I don't know. I, I we all we're all on the same page. We all like him. It's ADP and it's Browns. Yep. So, tough, tough, tough to really love in that situation where he's going. Um, all right, well, let's, we're not even going to talk about the Browns anymore. Coleman and Britt, you have pretty similar. We, you, you, buy the draft kit and look at this page. <laughs> um, let's go to the Dallas Cowboys. This is uh, an exciting team uh, to look at. But first, Valverde! I was trying to make it so it would pop louder because it was like a very soft pop on that. uh, that What are you drinking? A black (laughs) blue? What (laughs) What are you drinking? (laughs) Victory! I'm finally in the closet of the beer I drink when I play beer pong. Miller Lite, a fine Pilsner beer. Uh, I've had basically about uh, a half a case in my fridge in the very back top shelf. Uh, didn't have any beer here, and um, wasn't going to drink, but then when Houdini was drinking, I was going to drink. So I'm clearing out some old brews, and uh, yeah, not buzzing at all. Um, let's go <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Doc, Dak Prescott. You've got him, um, who, who is Stags QB, on, on our mo- a recent mock. I like that pick. Um, you got him with uh, 327 completions, 
3,787 yards, 26 TDs, and a low eight interceptions. You've got him rushing the ball 70 times, only for 300, 299 yards, and uh, four TDs on the ground. I think those numbers all seem pretty about pretty solid. I think maybe he has more attempts and completions, but I think they do equal those kind of yards. Um, it's a tough team. I think there's just so much with Elliott there, and they just have never really... I'm on a different way from you. I, I think it's an under-projection. You think he's going to go for Dak. I think Dak is going to go... Yeah, I think it's I easy to see him being able to throw for 4,000 to 4,100 yards. I'm not figuring he's going to be a 30... Uh, touchdown passing guy, but I think around 25, 26, where you have him at here, um, and I think because he does add on the ground, and I think that's going to be one of those things where um, second year in the offense, teams are all going to be doing everything they can to stop Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to be able to use that play-action pass. He is such a smart and accurate passer. I mean, that's just one thing that we, if you go back through his college, you go back to what he was doing in the preseason, then you look at his entire rookie year, Here's a guy that was just like such a mature quarterback, so I think he has that ability to take that extra step. You have the maturity of of him being able to mesh with uh, a second year with Des Bryant. Um, I don't love, obviously, Terrence Williams, but you got Cole Beasley, and you also got the kid Ryan Switzer if Beasley's not able to be 100% from back from his injury, and Switzer's a guy who's come in and uh, shown some electric ability as well. So you add those dimensions with the fact that defenses are going to have to respect the run at all times. I think he's going to be able to exploit it a lot more in his second year. Yeah, I, it, the part with that is I just don't know if they're going to pass a ton more. I mean, this is already projecting 60 more pass attempts. So, and when his pass attempts rise, is his efficiency going to ma- maintain the same? Because he had one of the most efficient quarterbacking seasons ever. And not even talking about just rookies. I mean... What do you have, four interceptions to 23 touchdown passes last year? When you have a sub-1% interception rate, that number usually you know increases by, like, double the next year. So eight- Well, you should almost expect that, too, if, if what I'm saying is true, because then that would mean that they're taking more chances. I just don't know if they're ready to. Like, why change yeah. the formula that works? Like, if a team starts winning ball games and winning – games by playing slow and running the ball and protecting their defense, even though there's no significant statistical correlation between running the ball and protecting your defense, you know, why, why change it? Well, I, the reason I say real quick, yeah. and I'll let you go in, is because defenses are going to make you change it. Because they're going to do more to protect against Ezekiel Elliott. What can you do more than put eight guys in a box? Well, they did it. And when you start doing that, then I think that's where Dak is going to start making them pay more in the passing game. I mean, that's that's my only correlation to this thing. And again, Zeke's numbers to what he did last year, those are going to be hard to replicate. But I think he has got. I think where the projections that are for him are, it's about right. But you know, that's a great offensive line. So there's there's all that going for you, but. I just think the defenses will start doing a little bit more to force them out of their easy routine. And I think when you're taken out of your easy routine, that's when these other spikes of numbers can happen. All right. Let's talk about his Elliot. Elliot, I think you've got him. Uh, he's got to be one of the higher uh, rush attempt guys here at 308. Um, rushing for 1476 yards and 13 touchdowns in the passing game, 44 receptions, very uh, serviceable for him on 57 targets, 373 yards and a TD. That puts him at 268 
3.90 standard points and 312.90 for PPR. Uh, just a hair under uh, 20 uh, points per game. Um, shows you that you have a, a lot more confidence in uh, David Johnson than you do Elliot. I know that you're a big Elliot fan. Uh, I'm going to say I think this is pretty par. Maybe I think he's I think this is par because he I think he's either going to really kind of just normalize or he's just going to maybe do a little better in this. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty close to par because I think it's like as a floor for him. I think it's still like 1,200 yards. Yeah. So and um, you know maybe you could have the big touchdown year where he goes back to like doing more of the you know the higher the, the eighteen. Again, touchdowns but, uh, this is a good one. I don't know that I think that, yeah that's, he had fifteen of them last yeah, year. Yeah. His conversion rate inside the five is much higher than league average. Like his numbers, you know, from a touchdown standpoint, show signs of some regression. Yep. I, uh, I've got to agree with Stags. I think that they need help and prove that, that they can stop people with their defense, and they just need to keep doing the same thing they've been doing. Obviously, Des is going to be hopefully a little more healthy this year. He definitely had his moments at the beginning uh, where he was kind of banged up, but I think why change it if it's if it's kind of working perfectly? I know the defense will do their best to change it, but still, I think they just kind of are going to run their offense and say, well, let's improve this defense this year and see if we can go to the next step and uh, be Super Bowl team next year, um, this year. Uh, anyone else talk? Yeah, Des Bryant quickly. You've got 78 receptions on 129 targets for 1,153 yards and 11 TDs. Uh, that converts to uh, in PPR 259.3 points. Uh, what does that put him in uh, essentially at the wide receiver position? Wide receiver eight. Eight. Is our resident Desbian? Where do you think he's going to finish? I not on projections, just in. I think that's right around where I have him. So um, I think that's right. I, I, I think that he still though has the potential, as we said about Julio, with the best season for him is still ahead of him. Yeah. I think that you know Des had that such early amazing track, and then he's kind of slowed down. Um, whether it's this year or more likely probably next year, it might well, that's going to be like that big big resurgence for him. But so. his big years were TD years. He's never really has exploded on the arts, am I wrong? I mean he's had thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred, yeah. Okay. But I mean I'm thinking like we're yeah. talking who No, and that's what we and that was and that after that was the year that everyone was projecting him thinking he was gonna be the sixteen, seventeen hundred yard guy and that it didn't happen. So uh, but I like the way Stag Party here has got him more being a big points on the touchdown because he's a touchdown guy. And here's the other thing. That you, here's the other thing that you I mean, uh, Des is a touchdown guy. But here's the other thing you can take solace in if you're a Des guy like me. You know, I'll look at it and be like, Terrence Williams is a piece of garbage. Uh, Jason Witten's another year older. Uh, Cole Beasley has got injury issues. And Switzer then becomes the other uh, rookie wide receiver. So you want to know what? When they're going to lean on the passing game, I think that. When it's all said oh, and done, I'll, I'll give him so many. Of I'll give him more than 129 years. targets. I'll give him closer to 150 targets when it's all said. And done. Yeah, he's just never really had that many targets ever in this offense. So that's the one thing. Like, if the, all those things happen, great, because then everybody who loves Dez and there's a lot of people, you know, he's gonna fucking climb if he gets 150 yards. Like targets, or 150 targets. His numbers should be huge. Yeah, 1,400 yards, and yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I think he's got that potential. When, I, when you look at all these numbers, I can make that case for him. I can't make that case for everybody else. Like I couldn't make it for Isaiah Crowell. 
I, I agree. The one thing I'll go back and let's move on yeah. is I think one of the reasons why Dak is so awesome is he's going to spread the ball around. He's not going to lock in on Dez. He's not going to give a shit if Dez is pouting or yelling at him. He's be like, bro, look at it. Look what we're doing. Look at what I'm doing. It's be, I'm not Romo. Get the fuck away from me. You ran Romo out of the league. We're just going to keep spreading the ball around. You be a part of it and do it when you need to do it, and this team's going to win a Super Bowl. Not because of you, because of us. Uh, let's go to the Denver Broncos. Um, I think we can talk about CJ and the wide receivers. Even though I know that Stags, when I remember looking, actually you have Jamal Charles. You're feeling like Jamal's going to get a good run this year because um, in PPR you basically have him scoring uh, one point less. Um, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about the wide receivers? Do you want to quickly kind of just give us an overview on all of them and then we and as fast as we can so we can move on to Detroit? So if Jamal Charles is healthy, we've got major questions with C.J. Anderson. Like, his ability to carry a you know, full load, he's never had more than 200 carries in a season. Like, all those numbers sort of stick out. But I, I just think that Jamal Charles is such a great receiver that if he's healthy, they will use him in the screen and dump-off game a lot. And they've already talked about bringing the screen game back for Demarius and that's his best thing, is when he can catch it and just fucking accelerate. Boom. Demarius is now 10 yards down the field after catching a quick stop. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, is discount Demarius Thomas. Since being in Denver, what, hasn't finished lower than wide receiver 20 in scoring. Basically, I think they're going to get 140, 138 targets each because... The rest of the weapons in the passing game are up in the air. I mean, A.J. Derby at tight end, are you going to go a lot of three t- or, uh, three wide receiver sets with the rookie Carlos Henderson out of Louisiana Tech? Is he going to be a guy who they want to get the ball in his hands because he could do things as a returner and as a yak guy? The, that's my thing. Is He's, He could be the next Rod Smith, no question about it. Um, yeah, the rest of these guys... I don't, I don't want anything to do with. I mean, but you're getting Demarius, or you're getting Jamal Charles, excuse me, at like running back 55. Yeah. Like, that's just a bet on everybody else being wrong. Yeah. Like, if, if you guys are wrong on CJ Anderson and Jamal Charles just gets a little bit more, that's me breaking in money because I drafted Jamal Charles as the 50th running back off the board. I, I mean, there is no risk with taking Jamal Charles there. With what he's done in the career, what, 5.1 yards per carry or Never whatever Never averaged in a season less than five. So, the numbers are going to come down <laughs> if he's playing and healthy. I, and I get it, but at the same so. time, he's also still that player that has the potential to break it on one play, and you don't have that as, as much as anyone... I'm, I'm not a CJ... I'm a CJ Anderson hater. So... You are now? I've never been... What have I ever been to see? I, I drafted him once. Oh, he blames it on us. On you. You and Dogmatica no, convinced... No, it'd be me and Okay, Dogmatica. convinced me, and it ruined my season when I drafted him in the second round. So I... So you I, blame that whole entire season on Dog and uh, Stags? Or you that pick. Fun? That pick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can see how he did That pick. Just this, that pick. That would have been great. But your guy sucked for me again this week. So I don't know where this all of a sudden became my guy. <laughs> so he's not my guy. Uh, all right, let's uh, quick question. Could uh, Trevor Simeon um, not be the starter, and could it be Paxton Lynch? Yeah, if that happens, great. I don't know if he's going to be as accurate, but maybe he takes more shots downfield, yeah. and maybe that helps Emmanuel Sanders, and you know, takes away a little bit from the running backs. And 
if he's a running quarterback, we know what happens to the running back dump offs. If Paxton Lynch is a running quarterback, that is the biggest moving target ever in the history of running running quarterbacks. Oh my god, that guy's a monster. Let's go to the Detroit Lions and um, let's talk about Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think your numbers here seem uh, pretty solid. Uh, you got him at uh, 4,775 yards, 27 TDs, 12 uh, interceptions with... Uh, you know, 150 yards rushing in a TD puts him at 296. So that's putting what right around probably QB eight around where Ty God yep. was. Um, he projects so well just because they've always given him opportunities to throw. That offensive line is so much better. They've got weapons, but they're all sort of short yardage weapons, and it's pretty good. I mean, well, you also. Tape. Yeah, and you also don't have running backs there that are like dominating running backs that are gonna, you know, you're gonna, you have an Amir Abdullah coming back, Theo Riddick, who's obviously gonna do so much more damage as a receiver. Both uh, of those Amir, guys. I mean, is a guy who's a dual type threat one. So you don't have any legitimate real thousand yard runner on this team. So I, I think if anything, you, you can maybe just make a case that maybe that's a little bit high on uh, yards for him. Uh, so maybe he's down to 44, 4,500 yards. But, I mean, still, when you're getting a guy who's – what's he going at, like, ADP? I think I want to say he's, like, quarterback, like, 14 or 15. And so I mean, he's a back-end QB. Yeah, maybe maybe it is a little high on yards. Maybe it is I think the only thing I will say, I think he could have more attempts. Which gives him, you know, who knows what he does with them. But I could see him going over 600 times. He's done that a, a couple times. And the one thing I like, and I was, I was bummed out when he drafted him for me, but I think Marvin Jones, is for me, he's a sleeper. I think he's going to have a good second year in Detroit. I think he's going to be able to kind of do it uh, do it over a little bit more of the full season. Well, do you think it's better than his projection? 61 catches for 950 yards and six touchdowns. I think he can go over 1,000 yards. Barely. I mean, I'm barely, but I, I think he could just barely go over a thousand yards. I think these numbers are great. That's and I think they're 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 good. I'll say that I'm on par with these, but I could see him having a thousand yards. Yeah, see, I'm on par with him. I, I think that the uh, the one that comes down is Eric Ebron. I just don't know that I'm seeing the growth. I know everyone's talking about. Oh it. my god! I hate. Okay. That hate him. Hated it. Y'all hate him. Why? No. Love Eric Ebron. How old is Eric Ebron now? 25. 24? 24. How old does he look when he's on the field? 42? <laughs> Alright, man. Alright. Hey, we, we all got our guys we love and we don't. Until I see it, I don't. And I just haven't seen the guy do it yet. Good. Go ahead, buddy. Tell you. Aren't you pressing a button there? What's going no, on? I have no idea if I'm pressing buttons. <laughs> pressing buttons, but they don't always work. Okay. So, Eric Ebron has improved in catches, targets, yardage, yards per catch in each of his first three NFL seasons. Yeah, but how many yards did he good, have in his first year? <laughs> by a good margin. It's like 200 yards per, it's like 20 catches per. So I did this wrong, huh? How many, how many um, receiving yards did he have last year? 600? 700? 700? Okay. That's not bad, right? The only thing that happened with Eric Ebron last year is he didn't score touchdowns because Anquan Bolton suddenly joined the roster and scored eight of them. Did he, Ebron have one touchdown last year? He had one receiving touchdown uh, and one he, he, rushing yeah, touchdown that people forget. But I don't fucking forget. <laughs> uh, okay, 
Okay, so with your projections here, PPR at one seventy two, where where do you where does that rank him? Like a back end tight end one, and you can draft him as the fifteenth tight end off the board. Like you, and if there's any more Eric Ebron can do, like the upside is not baked into his costs. Like Zach Ertz's upside is baked into his cost. Like. If Ebron catches his career touchdown rate, he scores five touchdowns last season, and he's tight end seven. Like, things that, that are just in the realm of possibilities. Things that make you go, uh, um, I'm still not drafting yeah, Ebron. I'm not drafting Ebron. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same board. I hope he changed, proves me wrong and I consider him in 2018 drafts, but double E's, I'd rather be sucking on some double D's. What? Where am I? I am getting a buzz off three of these middle legs. All right, so here's a good one. Since, so, ni- since 1980, only five t- uh, tight ends have had more catches than Eric Ebron through their age 23. Hold season. on, since 1980, those arrows don't count because tight ends didn't. This but, is like but the, he's but saying, I'm including the recent, I'm including the recent ones, no, but and not the old ones. I would okay, but I'm just I saying. Agree with you. I agree with you. Go ahead. It includes everyone. I understand, but when you, when you, okay. when you look at it, everything's Since 2000, does this make it any better? <laughs> Since 2000, uh, only five tight ends have had more catches through their age 23 season than Eric Ebron. All right, let's move on. Let's oh, move on. Let me just fucking finish reading it. Jason uh, Witten, Rob Gerkowski, Aaron Hernandez, T- Tony Gonzalez, and Todd Heap. He also, because he came out a year early. He came out as, what, a 20-year-old? Yes. So, so that's great. You had an extra year in the league, so you got better numbers. Congratulations by the time you're 24. And I'm not buying it. That's all I'm saying. We can't it's, talk about it. Do you know what one of the best predictors in fantasy football is? What is it? Age. But the average lifespan is three years in the NFL, so he's almost out. <laughs> <laughs> I personally, I hope, I hope the best you're right. Read, pull, read, about, the read about this in the piece D-Rex is about to put up tomorrow okay. or this weekend. And I know there's it's a, lot, my love for a lot of Ebron lovers out there. And that's it. Amen. That's fine. Uh, I just don't think he's gamer. Uh, anyway, before we get on to the next team, uh, what we will do is have you guys listen to this. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right, uh, this is going to be the Green Bay Packers. And um, we didn't cover Golden Tate, but that's fine in that last one. He's, he's going to be good. He's going to be good, exactly. Uh, Green Bay Packers, let's start with A-Rod just quickly. We don't even need to give his numbers. you got him finishing with 349. Um, pretty low on yards, actually, uh, but 38 TDs. Where does that slot him? Is he, do you think he's the finishing QB1? Is he projects as the QB1. I don't have him as my QB1. but Okay. So Actually, I don't think that's really too off on him for, for yards. It's almost like he's never really come close to sniffing the 5,000 yeah, yards. Right. It's, it's, he's had three seasons above 4,375. So. Okay. I, I like it. I think I'm, I'm saying par on, on that one. Um, I don't think we need to really discuss what is known as uh, the running backs. If you want to do Ty Montgomery, uh, the I'm looking Ty at Ty Montgomery is going to be good, guys. I'm telling you. Yeah, like I'm even if he sense. just catches passes in his third down roll, he, his third down roll is going to be better than pretty much any other. Is running he being back listed league. as a running back now? Yes. All formats. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, not, know, just not where you can play him as a wide receiver as well. Not that I'm aware. Of, okay, because that's, that's, that, that, that's the one thing. You know, the only thing that you also got to keep. Oh, in mind. get off my lawn! No. You old shit. Stay in your lane. <laughs> the only thing you got to keep in mind 
Ty Montgomery is that, you know, look, expect him to be that type of PPR uh, running back. Don't expect him to all of a sudden get a, a huge, bigger workload, especially when they went out and drafted three running backs this year. So they're, they're trying to get some other guys so they can keep him fresh, not have to give him too much of a workload and wear him down. I don't, need, I don't even project him for 10 carries a game. No. But I, I definitely think 10, 15 to 12, touches. 10 to 12 carries is in his realm of possibilities. I think 15 touches is That's maybe where it is, but I, I don't even think I've got him that high. So this is a team that actually gets out ahead of their opponents and starts lighting it up. So it's like end of the first quarter and it's friggin' 24 to 7 on them. Um, what happens to Ty Montgomery in games like that? Are they going to now start using some of these other backs and kind of do they will? I think a little bit. You realize Ty Montgomery is the heaviest running back on their roster, right? Like he is bigger than Jamal Williams, you know, and musk, more muscular, everything you look for. And faster, and like all the things you want, Ty Montgomery has for you. You just think of him as still a wide receiver. He's thick, dude. There's no question about it. Uh, I just oh, he thick. <laughs> I think they want to. I think they're going to want to monitor him if they think they've got a shot at it. But we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, Ty Montgomery, his ADP. I mean, he's he's going he's going pretty high. Especially. Yeah, he's going in the fifth round. Yeah. Risky. You really gotta, uh, you gotta, you gotta believe in it. If a lot of people, there's a lot of tie believers. So if you believe in it, go for it. I'm, you know, we're all for it. If you yeah, like that, go get them. You talk about power in numbers. This is a power in numbers offense. Absolutely. Uh, Jordy Nelson, you've got him at 83 catches, 1100 yards, 11 TDs. I'd say par. I'm gonna say that that's par because it's one of those things where I just can't project him to be any higher. I, I, I mean, he know, has like, been higher in both I of his know. last two seasons, but he's also, what, 31, 32? 32, years, I think it'll be 32 when it's going to start. So it's like, and coming a year off ACL, and he's had a multiple knee And I don't know if you have career. one of your, your crazy stats, but I know there's one of these things with him, like the amount of receivers that have actually had a better year after age 32, it's like few and far between, yeah. so... Um, I almost think this is where kind of like even in our draft where it was like I'm looking at I could have taken Jordy Nelson who I think I had on my tiers initially one slot higher than Des Bryant but I took Des just because I'll I'll take a better chance of upside even on a quarterback that's going to throw probably 15 less touchdowns on the year versus Jordy just because I'm worried more that the wheels can fall off and you've seen signs of regression over the last couple of years too. Jordy, people underestimate that guy. Um, so I think it's a pretty fair projection. I, I, I do too. Uh, Devontae Adams, you're, you're putting Devontae with his first uh, thousand yard season, right? Just a, a hair above it at 1100. I mean, uh, 1005 yards. Wasn't he a hair under it last year? Yeah, 997. Three yards. Three yards. <laughs> How pissed would you be? Um, probably his it's problems. okay. He, he caught ten or twelve touchdowns. Mm, yeah. Uh, so you've got him sitting there, Devontae, uh, nine touchdowns. So he's finishing PPR with 234. So that's a that's a solid outing. Let's look at Bennett. What do you think? I'm going to say Devontae Adams. I think that's high. I think he's coming down. I think we're going to have a Randall Cobb. Not resurgence. I like these numbers for Cobb as well. But I just think Cobb is... Cobb's going to be a little bit more like, I think, well, maybe it's wishful thinking, never been a Cobb guy, but I think he could be a little more like what we saw in the last four or five games the last season. Maybe. I don't know. know. Cobb is a guy that before. scares the hell out of me. He's an injury-prone oh, And he's just not that dynamic guy anymore, especially once we, when Jordy went down. That we, you, know, you, you see that he can't break anybody down. Um, Here's, Vonta, you know, it, it, it's interesting, right? Because as vaunted as the wide receiving core has been for Green Bay – over the past 10 years, right? I don't know that I like 
the wide receivers as much this year for them. Here's a question I got for you. Talking about age, think that's a. How old do you think Cobb is? He's like he's 28, 29? 27, 28. Excuse me. I believe. 26. <laughs> and when's his birthday? No. Gonna start the season. August 20. Yeah, he'll be 27. He's gonna start you the season. Thought, you, you would think he, he's younger than you think he is. But so, how old is Devontae Adams? Probably 23. 24. So, I looked it up today. You don't have to. Okay. He's, um, he's a couple but months. He, but he's, he, seems, he seems young to me, Devontae. Well, no, but the only problem is, is there's, 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 he's age his there's, there's age and then there's football age. Because Randall Cobb, the one thing is, if you look at the tape over the last two years, you just don't see him breaking off the big plans and doing the things that he was doing. No, you don't see what he was doing in those I first agree. two, three years in the league. So, and he um, was probably just Aaron Rodgers, a byproduct of Aaron Rodgers, even those first years. Well, remember, he was also more like the Ty Montgomery guy because he was a guy who was running the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. They were using him in gadgety type ways. Yep, yep. Yep. The interesting guy here is Martell Bennett because I don't have him projected yeah, super high. That sounds 59 uh, catches, 85 targets, 683 yards, six touchdowns. Now, he could steal touchdowns from a guy like Devontae Adams. That really hurt Devontae Adams' value. I mean, he scored 12 touchdowns last season, so there's some regression built into that as well. I just don't know where Martellus Bennett's going to fall in the passing game. I I agree with you because I think of it this way. I think that Martellus Bennett is kind of brought in there more as a two-fold thing. He's going to kind of give – he'll give you a couple games where it's here or there, and there's going to be a lot of games where he's just not going to do anything as far as fantasy because what he does is he's a great inline blocker. and He's well-rounded, yeah. Yeah, and and you can can use him. And he also has to – and you're going to have to to put a a quality defender to watch what he does. And I think it's just going to open up things a little bit more in the running game, and I think it's going to open up some things for the other guys in the passing game. I agree with that sentiment. Um, all right, I think we can move on to the Houston Texans. Uh, projections for them: you've got Deshaun Watson starting and uh, attempting 559 passes, almost uh, thrown 3,731 yards, 20 TDs, 14 interceptions, uh, a one rushing TD, and that puts him at a 229 serviceable season. Um, I think that's. Seems fine. I don't know. I you know what it is? Here's where I look at it. I think it's, it's completely fair. When you look at what's been happening with the young quarterbacks that have been coming out in the last three, four years, when it go back to, you know, James Winston was thrown for 4,000 yards in his first year. What did Mariota throw in his first year? It was like 3,300. 3,300. Right. But so, he also ran for some. Correct. He only played 14 games. And so this is where you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson. You know he's going to give you the running yards, too. He's going to give you the sexual. That's where he could really make a fantasy impact, yeah. is if he rushes more than expected. I actually think that his passing numbers that are projected here are high, and I think his rushing numbers are low. Sure, but I just don't think think it's a means to It's a Bill O'Brien offense, so it's like looking at how many attempts they've given quarterbacks in the past, he's just never been a proponent of letting his guy run. He wants him to be a traditional pocket passer. But I, I, I don't think he's in consideration for redraft leagues right now. I don't think you're no, no, I don't think so either. Because and, and I, I would agree. just say this though too, you know, if you're looking at it from like a starter thing, or if you're talking about a rookie league, I and mean, obviously he becomes if he's a starter, he becomes a rookie league gem. But at the same time, I think 20 interceptions. I think or 20 touchdowns. I think it, it could be reversed. I think it could be 14 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. Ooh. Well, I'll tell you that if that's the case. Then, then, and I already think people are like, uh, "What was it? it was uh, Archer? Love Archer? He's all in on the Texans um, for fantasy this year." Uh, I, I 
think PK Ripper uh, is like he took uh, Lamar Miller pretty. Mm-hmm. I am not in on the uh, Houston Texans offense this year. I need to see a little more. Obviously, I like the nuke, but uh, at the end of the day, he's still going. Um, you know, end of the first round, early second round, and twelve mans uh, never really. He's not lasting past the middle of the second round in any leagues. Yeah, um, and he, he, I've seen a lot go in the third round. You have. DeAndre Hopkins' typical ADP is pick 26. I mean, so he's a third-round pick, but he's not going after the third round. Is that really true? I mean, I've yeah, I've seen him. He has not gone in the first round in any draft I've done this year. I had one where he was. He was first pick in the first second. Pick in the oh, second. I thought it was the first of the Oh, it was the first. The last yeah, the first. Archer took him first well, pick. So, I mean, whew. But look, I mean, I think these projections are about right on. I mean, we're not sitting here thinking that, you know what, get off of the, especially with the young quarterback, first-year quarterback, he ain't going to be going for no 1,500, 1,600-yard type season. So 1,100 yards, I think that's fair. I think eight touchdowns, I think he's going to get the heavy target. It, it honestly now, might be high because rookie passers don't support top fantasy players. But they can focus on one guy. Now, here's yeah. where I disagree with these numbers here is that and here's the guy who's an enigma, right? Because he had the ultimate splash start to last season through four weeks. Then he pretty much disappeared. He's a guy that in our uh, mock draft that we're doing right now, which we're now in like the 14th round or whatever, has not been taken. Will Fuller. And you look at what the projection is here for him. 55 catches, 779 yards, and five touchdowns. That's Those numbers basically say he should have been drafted already by us. Yeah. I have taken turds that are uh, way more than that guy. I'm I'm worried about him. I'm staying away. I, I don't know. I just saw he had those two old, first two games of his career. Awesome. He's got that Ted Ginn-like explosion factor. But this Sean Watson, what was the biggest knock on him throughout all of the uh, uh, underwear Olympics and leading up to the draft that he doesn't have a strong NFL arm? So is he going to be able to chuck the ball deep to a guy like Will Fuller? And he doesn't have many routes in his tree. And what is Will Fuller's uh, uh, problem, uh, his... (laughs) Uh, the downfall when his uh, uh, drops. Yes, his inability to catch the ball consistently, especially on those deep passes. How many did he drop? And, and he why left. he did? He, he could have had such an amazing first five weeks table. of the year if he wouldn't have dropped like four different passes that were clear. 30, 40, 50 plus yard touchdown. For sure. Swallow whatever you got in your mouth. It sounds like you got jizz. It was, it, was, uh, it was victory. <laughs> it was just victory. Sweet, sweet victory. Suck it on victory. Uh, let's talk about the Colts who would like to suck on some victories oh, this they season. Need, they need it or everyone's going to go. Um, Except for Chris Ballard because that dude's a G. Yeah. Luck. You got Luck sitting here with... Um, luck four. projects out as a top four quarterback. Uh, and he's your favorite quarterback, right? He, I, he's the quarterback I'm most likely to take because I can get him two rounds later than Andrew uh, than Aaron Rodgers in drafts. I'm going to go for luck. He only played 15 games last season and put up you know pretty comparable numbers to this. But luck also provides some rushing value and a couple touchdowns on the ground. I don't think Frank Gore's in for another thousand yard season. I think it'll be more in the 900 yard range. And I did give your boy Marlon Max some, you know, some love, 125 carries. So we'll see if that happens. T.Y. Holton I love. But the real question on this team is probably between Dante Moncrief and Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle could pretty much write him in for 65 to 70 catches uh, on 90 to 100 targets. 
for 650 to 700 yards, five, six touchdowns. You're liking Aiken from what I'm seeing here. I think he could be pretty involved because I don't really trust Dante Moncrief. Even, no. Even with 112, you know, 120 targets that he could see, I just don't know how efficient he's going to be besides in the red zone. And, and the problem that I have is, is that, look, you need a guy like Kamarik because has Dante Moncrief ever shown that he can really be that quality possession type guy that you can count on when you need to do it? No, they've been throwing and forcing everything to T.Y. Hilton. So Kamar Aiken becomes that extra set of type of relief on those underneath type passes and those smaller route type trees and for the more consistent plays. Moncrief's going to be your kind of splash here, splash there, but I don't, all the love that Moncrief gets, I don't understand it. But I think that it all bodes well for Andrew Luck just because of the fact that you have a deteriorating running game with Frank Gore and potentially what we'll see from Marlon Mack, but you have the development now of T.Y. Hilton, who's now become a veteran, Dante Moncrief, who's older, uh, Kamar Aiken, Philip Dorsett. These guys have more experience under their belt now, so they should hopefully someone take a next step. And I'm gonna, I want to keep an eye on. I'm sorry, I want to keep an eye on uh, Luck and just uh, his shoulder injury and just see. Hopefully, you know he's not fully healthy right now. Love him. Uh, you know he's my he's my favorite quarterback. I've had him on my team I think every year that he's been in the league. But right now he's a little injured. He's kind of been letting you down a little bit with some of his lingering injuries. So we'll see. Love a Hilton, but Hilton's. But here's the thing about Luck. If you're a guy that owns Luck in the Dynasty League, right? Like, I'm in a Dynasty League, and I have to, I can, I can protect two guys. I got Dak at a buck, and I got Luck at 16. Luck would probably go up to 20, and Dak will be up to, like, $4 or whatever this year. But it's like, I, if I want to win for this year, I got to keep Luck, you know? Um, just because that floor is so much higher for, for the yards and the touchdowns and the other thing. But at the same time, too, what is the potential return in a trade? Can I get a lot more for luck? Probably. Yeah. So, which way you go? That becomes a philosophy argument. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe you can get more. Maybe. You tra- yeah. You trade luck and you keep the younger. I gotta player. trade one of them. I mean, it, it's one of those. But which one and what can I get? Let's move on from the Jack to let's move to the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, let's talk Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Because I think he's the most interesting guy to project in this team. Uh, there are some lines floating around on Twitter. 272 touches uh, is the line, which is 17 touches a game. You got him over, under 17 touches a game. <sighs> over. Okay. I think they're going to feed the beast. I would say under for the first half of the season, well over for the second half of the season. But why wait? Why not just let it? If he's healthy... You make a great point, but you do. You do. Be cut. Well, they're going to have to cut one of those guys. You can't keep Ivory, him, and and. uh, Why not? I mean, you can, but I mean, it's like, well, if you could save the money somewhere, T.J. Yeldon could catch the ball. Was a second round pick and basically cost nothing. And that was two. That was second round pick. Ivory's the one that they did. And Ivory, they already paid all the front-loaded money to yeah, anyway. Yeah, it wasn't so. that front-loaded. Like, they still got some guaranteed money left this year. Well, let's, talk, let's talk Fortnite here, and then we'll go over the Fortnite, other guys. I'm the man. Promise. He's going to be the man there. Personally, I've got him over 17 touches a game. I've got him at 282. It's not much over. I think it's a little bit conservative. But something like 250 carries for, you know, over 1,000 yards, 1,050, six touchdowns. But I also think he is good enough as a pass catcher to catch 34, maybe 40 passes tops. 
on 44 to 50 targets. You know, he's three, not on the Garrett Blunt. Yards. Yards. Yeah, he's not on Garrett Blunt. He's an underrated pass catcher. He's not going to be completely phased out, especially in his rookie year when they spent all the draft capital in him. They are going to invest in him in the passing game. He'll get he'll get a chance to drop five passes before they stop throwing him the ball. And they actually they actually, Howard did. They, yeah, actually, right. they actually want him. They, they want him to catch the ball. But if he's dropping the ball as a rookie, it's just like, all right, you know, you got to work on, buddy. Week in and week out, day in and day out. I, I like Fortnite. Here's my thing with him. He's a guy that could be banged up real quickly, in my opinion. He's got. He's going second round, whatever, right? Third round or second round? Third round, third, mostly. Third round. I, something tells me that once he gets going, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be nicked up, ankle something, real early in the season. He's going to power through it, and it's just going to—it's going to uh, hurt fantasy owners. So, uh, anyway, I, I don't see him on my teams too much. I like the player. I think he's going to have a great career, but something tells me he might be one of those lingering injury guys. Allen Robinson, um, you've got him as uh, seventy-nine uh, receptions. Uh, for 1,067 TDs, I mean yards, and 9 TDs. Um, that brings him to a PPR at 239.70. Touchdowns may be a little high, everything else. Uh, I, I think he could have more than more yards than that. I mean, we're relying sure. on Bortles, but I, I think it's fine. I, I could see 9 touchdowns. I, could, I, think this, I think you're under on, on Well, this how about this? A little bit. We're about Hearns, though, because Hearns is the guy who was supposed to be something last year who did nothing. And this has him kind of coming back, and though kind of has him at even par with Marquise Lee. Because on a per game basis, Alan Hearns was still better than Marquise Lee last year. Is that so, right? I mean, he just had so many duds. Yeah, but he was mostly injured for the. I know, like, I know. And he the was whole team bad, was, was pretty brutal through the yeah, last year. Like, if you look at the careers of Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns, they started off the same year, right? Alan Hearns has been the better player in two of three years, yep. except for one year he was sort of injured. So, why should I? I mean, I got to wait the, the previous year fairly heavily, and I think they'll run a lot of three wide receiver sets, especially when they have no proven tight end. Uh, but yeah, I think I think those guys could both see upwards of a hundred targets. But I think Alan Hearns, you know, he's going after Marquise Lee most of the time in drafts. I think Alan Hearns is a better investment than Marquise Lee, but it also depends standard of PPR because touchdown guy more likely to be Hearns. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's see. Let's see. You know, I think that whole squad a lot's riding on the Blake Bortles' shoulders. And Bortles got to be looking a little more like two years ago Bortles than whatever that was last year. Um, and if that can happen, then there might be a lot of uh, fantasy points for everyone, and it'll help Fournette open things up for Fournette. So Kansas City Chiefs uh, projections here. I think the only guys we need to talk about. Um, let's do a quick Spencer Ware. You got him at 221 rushes, uh, 960 yards, seven TDs, uh, bringing not much to the table through the uh, passing game. So he's at PPR 204 points. I'd say I think he's gonna. I think Kareem Hunt's being a little overrated in general, not necessarily by you. I think Kareem Hunt could still have that many carries and yards because I think this team's. So that's uh, Kareem Hunt at um, 164 carries for 695 yards, five touchdowns, with 40 receptions on 51 targets for 308 yards on a score. I think I'm on. I think you're under on where in the running on his running uh, game season. Sure, potentially. It's just. I think Hunt's going to be involved. I don't think I don't think they're going to be exactly ready to give it over. But Ware started so hot. If he can maintain that pace, 
then Hunt might just be a glorified third down back because I think Sharkandrick West is going to disappear. Hunt's going to get a lot of opportunities in the pass game. He's going to be that change of pace back from day one. And if he's effective early, then it could spell trouble for Spencer Ware at some point down the line. And I, and I think it definitely could spell tr- trouble down the line, but it's one of these things, too. Right now, Kareem Hunt is the guy who's getting so much hype at, at the OTAs and everything else. This is why you're starting to see this type of an impact as well. Uh, but it's also why Spencer Ware becomes one of these guys that, look, this is a team that still has playoff aspirations, if not Super Bowl aspirations, with that type of defense that they have, with the, the different, different multitude of playmakers. So... With that being said, you're pretty much almost assured that Kareem Hunt's not going to be hitting the field as much early in the year because this is also Andy Reid. This is we're going to rely on the veterans and we're going to protect ourselves. If things get anywhere out of control where they're like not in the hunt at all, it's going to be Hunt. Uh, I, I've never seen. I've never. I mean, he played the shit out of Tyreek Hill at points last year. Like we've seen him give the ball to rookies. They'll give the ball to anyone. Well, whoever's doing the job, but at the same time, it comes down to, look, when you have a guy like Alex Smith, a quarterback, until they take him out and put in, was it Mahomes or whatever, until that happens, you're going to protect him and you're going to have Ware, who's a better blocker and all these different things. And just, I'm just saying early on in the season, just expect I just first six games, don't expect. I don't think Ware's a better blocker. I think Ware's awful as a pass blocker, and that's why I think he's not the third down back. Okay. Well, let's go to Tyreek Hill quickly, and then Kelsey, and then uh, move on. You got, and then we've hit the halfway point. <sighs> Jesus. Um, we'll yeah. just pick one or two players to talk about for each team. That'll okay. Let's look. Hill, Hill and Kelsey are pretty important. Um, you got Hill getting 72 catches, 111 targets uh, for 743 yards receiving, um, and then rushing, he's going to get 18. For uh, carries for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Let's just quick. We don't need to discuss Hill. He's going to be talking it's about a, bust, a lot over, of shows. Over projection. You think that's an over? Whew. What do you think? I, I mean, it's hard to see it as over, um, just because of overall opportunities. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I mean, I'll be listen. The one I, thing, the one I thing, the, think Travis Kelsey is the wide receiver one on this team. Yeah. Well, yeah. but the other thing you got to realize last year, uh, I think Tyreek Hill averaged about like seven point nine yards per reception. Nine point one. Is a nine point one? But he, he averaged more as a running back. Yeah, more okay. as a runner. So I just look at him. He's not that guy that's that deep downfield threat. So he's just under 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 the underneath I, I bubble screens and, and he's he's. It's the gimmick type plays. He's so fast though. I know. No, there I was plays the where Tyreek Hill went down the field, and I believe he could develop into that. It, now, do I believe he could develop into that with Andy Reid calling plays? And with, with, and with, with Alex Smith? Smith? I mean, that's the thing. Like, if it's Patrick Mahomes from day one who's a fuck it and chuck it kind of guy, I think Tyreek Hill could get down the field vertically and be a T.Y. Hilton type receiver in the future. Do I think that's going to happen this season? Not necessarily. But he was targeted down the field. It wasn't just yet. No, I know, but he wasn't getting a lot of those big chunk plays. That's all. You saw Alex Smith last year whipping it a little more and and taking the reins off and being less of a uh, dunker guy. Um... Now he's got nothing to lose, to be honest. I don't think he's going to try and be this game manager. He knows he's out after this year. Uh, I think he's going to be like, fuck it, I don't care. So you think he's going to change his spots? Yeah, I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to be willing to, to unleash a little more and like not care about the repercussions. Um, Kelsey, let's quickly go through him. Uh, 88 catches, 
1,087 yards, five TDs. Um, I like it. I think he could have more TDs. I saw a lot of missed opportunities in the red zone with him last year. Uh, but regardless, that puts him at what number? That's a lot of yards for a tight end. So absolutely, hell of a year he deserves number that. number two for the tight ends. And then who's number one? Gronk. Okay. The number one tight end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I of got all Kelsey, Kelsey. I thought you had Kelsey at number one too. I got Kelsey at one. Nope. It, Kelsey literally has half the touchdown projection of Gronk. No, I, mean, I, I get uh, you there. Um, okay, let's go to Los Angeles Chargers. Melvin Gordon. Okay. Melvin Gordon, I like a lot. I think he can get you know close to three hundred carries. I've got him more in the 280 range uh, right now. I don't know who's going to carry the ball behind him. Is it going to be Brandon Oliver or Kenneth Farrow? Or, like, they didn't draft a complimentary back that inspires any confidence. So that leads me to believe that Melvin Gordon is going to get the rock. He killed it in the red zone last season. I think he's going to be able to do that again. And he was also a very good receiver, so I see him being very good there. I project him with 254 PPR points. Uh, and talking about it now, it seems kind of low. He comes out as RB7 in um, projections. I think that's on the lower side. I think, I, think, I think the yards that you have for him, 278 carries for 1,112 yards, I think that's low. I, I, I see him being more of a 1,250 to 1,300-yard guy, especially if you can keep all of the wide receivers healthy. With the veteran quarterback and Phillip Rivers, he's going to put him into better situations. He's going to be able to kind of keep the defense on edge, and, and that's where Melvin Gordon's going to be able to take advantage. I got nothing to say. Uh, do, do you want to talk about another guy on this team? Keenan right. Allen. Yeah, totally. Keenan Allen. So Keenan Allen, I... I think I, this is a fair projection for him. I mean, it's fair because it's based on his career average. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, when he's healthy, he's seen a boatload of targets. I don't have him seeing the 194 or 174 target pace he was on a, a couple years ago in his half season. But I've got him with 139 targets. I think he'll have a good catch rate, uh, uh, catching 90 passes. But I'm worried about his yards per catch. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. With like, all those different weapons that they have, they're not, they're not going to be using him as that downfield Is threat. he the slot receiver? If so, is he going to average the 10.5 yards per catch that he has the last three seasons? No, he's not. The other thing that's going to be playing a problem for him is Hunter Henry, who's going to be stepping up and kind of taking in some of that role too. So where I look at him, his numbers this way, I think his catches are high at 90. I, I figure him more 75 to 80 catches when it's all said and done. Then you don't want to own No, I don't want to own Keenan Allen. And, and, and I would say that his yardage is about fair at 950, and I wouldn't project him for more than much more than five. But you're having him with like a 13 yard per catch, which he hasn't done since his rookie year. Yeah, I think I just, you think I, he's going to be used more vertically, which you I think you're. I think, I think he's going to be used more as a, as that middle middle range target. So I don't think he's going to be getting a lot more of those screens that he was getting before. I think that that's where you're going to use Travis Benjamin. That's where you're going to use some of these other guys that you have on the roster, and you're going to use him for that more kind of mid range possession type receiver type guy. That is, is what I see. Can you project a new injury for him? So sure. He did a, he did a kidney to spleen spleen. Landed on a touchdown, landed on the football or something, a spleen. Last year was an ACL or an oh, ACL. I, was, I don't know if it, I thought you said oh, it was a kidney. Well, I, was, I was calling it a kidney injury. two years ago, right? How about a painless injury? He's going, he's going list Frank. He's getting no, list Frank. He's going the foot. Yeah, he's getting it. I say that we move on. I like Hunter Henry. Uh, looks like you've got. Eh, 
you're, you're not as high on him, but let's move on. 100 points for a tight end is like top 10. So. Is it, is it, With Antonio Gates on the roster. That's where you're going to make the, uh, the case is, you know, is the torch being passed? Is he going to uh, be a red zone threat that, you know, and right now, basically, what you're doing is you're taking what Antonio Gates has traditionally been, and you're just splitting them between the two of them as far as yeah, 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 a little bit. I love the way this script. That's funny. Um, all right, let's. How about we skip the Rams? No. Hurry up! I'm not Todd, saying a word. Todd you talk. Gurley. I'm done. Yeah, yeah we're right now we got to catch up. Todd Gurley. Okay. So Todd Gurley, I've got with a slight rebound in yards per carry, which comes out to about his career average you know, between his first and second seasons. But if he's going to get 276, maybe 300 touches, he'll be just over 1,000 yards. I, I do have problems seeing another like double-digit touchdown season. So I see more of the six or seven, maybe eight total touchdowns. But if they're also going to use Lance Bar- Dunbar in the passing game like they've used Chris Thompson, that gives me a lot of pause because... Now, he improved in that area last year, but he still wasn't a great pass catcher. And that's just overall going to limit his upside, especially in PPR. Yeah, and for me, the only thing I'll say is this. I had him as one of my busts, even though he's not being drafted until much further down. I mean, he's the, the beginning of the third round, <coughs> about I, RB10 or 11 in drafts. And the, the point with him is that, you know, all those, those, those splash games that you saw in that rookie year, you're not getting those anymore. So you're hoping to get. Just attrition. 278 carries for 1,051 yards. That's that's called you're not gaining a lot of yards per carry. You're just doing a lot of work. He could surprise. but Well, no, that, he's going to have to surprise. He's the guy that is not going to surprise on my team. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I have on. a feeling he's going to be a guy that I'll, his career will be over, and I'll be like, I never had him on any of my fantasy teams. It's been happening before to, to guys that are studs. Um, Jay, we're going to go to the Miami Dolphins. Jay, a Jai, too hush, high to high. Uh, let's go 27, 277 carries. You got something to say? Yeah, I've got Jay Jai with pretty much 200 yards more rushing on the same amount of as, carries as Todd Gurley. Yeah. So yeah. That, and just, that tells you what you need to know. And yeah. more touchdowns and better receiving as well. Uh, and here's the guy who had, was it, a three 200-yard uh, games that he had last year? So. Three 200-yard games, two, what, against the Bills, one against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he evens out a little bit more, though. And also that offensive line, you know, we keep talking about how they're going to be healthy. Let's hope they're healthy because they haven't really put it together for a full season, especially Pouncey. Yeah. Uh, the center who makes a big, big impact because when he was in there, that was all the 200-yard games. But at the same time, too, you know, with uh, um, Gase, he likes to emphasize a running game. So and he likes a workhorse running yes, game. Yes, he does. I mean, look what he did for Matt Forte in the year that he was with the Bears. And then look what he did for J.H.I. last year. And Ajay, remember, he didn't start out on fire. He came on. Well, he, before... he basically said, oh, I'm going to cry like a bitch because I'm not the starter. Because this cripple Arian Foster is starting over me. And yeah, that, that sucked. But you know what? It was also one of those things that it was a great move up by an organization saying, hey, we're going to bring this veteran to make you prove yourself. He proved himself. So, you know. Hey, he proved himself. I think he, they want to get him the ball. But apparently. Can he be a dominant red zone guy? That's the question. I think he can. I mean, he's got the size. His, his career at Boise State, he was able to score touchdowns a lot. Uh, against Wyoming and... Oh, come on. <laughs> we, everyone, everyone's 
But uh, again, he is a guy that could, if, if everything turns out right, and this team um, can do the things that they're capable of, he, he could be a you know top three running back. Yeah. No, he has the potential because of the big game potential. I think, and, and, I think top and, five. And, 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 just, and just, I think he's going to get a lot of work. He's going to, yes. Now, here's the other thing that's interesting about Miami um, is you got Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker. I think these are the ones that are interesting. I look at Jarvis Landry and I say, it's about spot on. Here's a guy, uh, 135 targets, 93 catches, 1,037 yards, five touchdowns. He's never been a dominant guy in the red zone. He doesn't. He's, he's much more of that PPR type running uh, wide receiver. Devontae Parker, we got 61 uh, on 105 targets for 865 yards and four. I say that's low. I say this is the year that Devontae Parker is going to take that extra step. You don't have that guy with Jarvis Landry there. He's not that dominator that just like commands all the the red zone and these other types of looks. Parker has more of that size, speed, vertical type threat that he could become. A little bit more of a, a bigger weapon in the red zone. I, I agree with you only in the <coughs> only in the touchdown. I think the numbers there for the catches and the yards are pretty pretty solid. Maybe he can eat inch up towards a thousand yards just because I think he is the kind of guy who can have like a couple pretty ginormous games that really skew his stat lines. But I do think he's going to be a bit, bit better of a, of a uh, touchdown threat. That's the only thing. I know that I'm pretty high on the breakout of Parker, but right when I started saying that, it seems like not because of me, but everyone's kind of high on that breakout out of him. You read it around a lot. And I do think... Everyone on Miami is going to break out according to Adam Gates. It's true. <laughs> well, according to Adam Gates. I'm not, I'm not taking his word for it. And a lot of fantasy you know, figureheads and people talking. People mm-hmm. think... I, I just think he's going to have some great games, but he's going to, when he shits the bed, it's like one catch for 17. No, no, and I agree with you on that, but but here's the thing that's interesting. Like, I I talk to some people, and I'm amazed, like, okay, like, Charlie don't surf. So high on Jarvis Landry. Now, are you that much higher on Jarvis Landry than you are on Devontae Parker? Like, to me, I think that they're a lot closer. I Like, Landry is this guy that Depends on the scoring format. Yeah, but okay, even if, even when it's PPR and well, I mean, and if you if he's still going to be doing like any type of kick return, if there's any of that type no, of stuff, but he's done with that. Yeah, yeah, but the problem is this: is that without being a dominant red zone guy, without being that, he's not come anywhere close to like being a 1,400 yard type receiver or that dominator. You know, he gets. It's all been with like heavy, just underneath pass, underneath pass, like a Stephon Diggs, right? Where you're, you're maybe get 14 catches, but you're only ending up with well, here's 85 yards. It's nice because we'll segue this and we'll go. Unless you want to talk about someone else in this. Well, I didn't even realize I did that. I didn't even realize I did that. But one thing I want to say is on on, to go on on your uh, Jarvis Landry. Are you expecting? Here's the question I would ask. If you're high on him or you're low or you're in the middle, are you expecting this year to be much different than the previous two years? No. That's what I'm saying. Is there all of a sudden going to be a a new Jarvis Landry that does one thing, whether it's touchdown yards, he already gets the catches better, and I don't see it. I think you're going to see the same old Jarvis, and it's it's great in some formats. I mean, I'm also a little bit concerned just because once Jai really came on, you know, uh, Jarvis Landry got pushed back to the wayside. He wasn't targeted as much. They didn't need him. He, they didn't need the extension of the run game because they had a fucking run game. Like, you, you hammer it's it with true. the drive. Yeah. Yeah. And, was and then game. you use Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker on the vertical routes 
play action off your giant plays, and you don't need to throw your little three-yard hitch to Jarvis Landry when you can attack it a little bit. My problem with the touchdowns is, in two career years, he's had seven, um, and Ryan Tannehill has never thrown more than 27 in a season. So overall, I'm worried about the touchdown scoring of the Miami Dolphins. Right, because you can't draw a path to where all of a sudden there's that many opportunities. And we know that you've got, uh, now you finally got the, a, tight, a new tight end there that everyone's saying that they relinked up with Gaze from back in his days when they were together, uh, friggin' um, playing on the Broncos and that Julius Thomas. So and Julius Thomas used out. to play the slot in the red zone. How does that affect Jarvis Landry? Well, I think it's a great point that you said. Basically, two years ago, and at moments when the Jai, before the Jai broke out, Landry literally was the running attack. You, he got on some drives, four or five catches, and they were just saying, you know what, we're just going to go back to him, and this guy's going to do a button hook or a little out pattern, and he's going to get four yards, and then we're going to start, and we're going to be uh, second, second and six, and we're happy with that, because right now we don't have anyone that's going to fucking be able to do this in the ground, and the Jai's there. We're segueing and we'll start over to the Minnesota Vikings. We'll start with Stefan Diggs, uh, who Houdini thinks is in that same uh, Landry mold. Uh, Stag party, I know you're a Diggs guy. Tell us the line and um, we'll, we'll talk to him. 95, 130, 1029, and 5. Literally almost the same as Jarvis Landry. And you can probably get him around later. I think go about 10. 10 picks later? Yeah. yeah. The thing is, like Jarvis Landry feels like he's overdrafted. He's drafted in the third or fourth round. Yeah, I he, Like for that, I'm just not gonna draft him there. Like Isaiah Crawl, he's not a type of guy I'm gonna draft in the third round. I'm sorry about it. Like you can't convince me otherwise. No, and this is where, where I'm sitting in a situation in Dynasty League where it's like, when I realize that a guy is being overvalued, like that, then you got to trade him. Take advantage of it while you can, because if you don't make that trade this year, then all of a sudden when he falls off the table, no one will make a trade for you, and you're stuck with the guy for the rest of his career until you drop him. Yep, yep. Uh, Stephon Diggs, I think Adam Thielen's also going to get over 100 targets. And Kyle Rudolph. So I think Kyle Rudolph's coming at a bit of a value in... Uh, draft so far, he's sort of he's sort of fallen back after being what the number two tight number end two. score. Well, he's also year. one of the guys that was like a poster child for career year beware, where he saw his numbers go up dramatically, like over three hundred more yards than he ever had in his previous high. His receptions were up by like thirty or so receptions. Now, granted, this is all Sam Bradford being there, and it's a different style offense, and you don't have Sammy. and you don't have Adrian Peterson. So, I look, there's a lot of factors that are in play, but at the same time. I'm not one of these people who's going to say, oh, all of a sudden he's going to improve on what he did last year. So it's almost like, I agree with you, it's amazing that he's getting as undervalued for the year that he had as he is, but I think it's like some people more looking at career numbers and saying, that really just seems like a major anomaly. Yeah. I think, uh, sorry, got a little slack business here on the side. Um, yeah. Cut me some slack. Cut me some slack. Uh, but one thing about Kyle, he did have his career and did it in different ways, but he is a guy that's been a top three tight end in prior year. Yeah, all through touchdowns. Year year. But he's done it. So he's, he can find a way to get you points. And but he did that without being a 500-yard receiver. I agree. That's, that's, that, 400 I and, 
This big year, I think it was like 386 yards. Yeah. And it was like 12 touchdowns or whatever it was. He's a changed man. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's quickly talk. Uh, uh, and quickly, I like Thielen as a deal here um, as well from this team. But uh, I think that's a strong guys- projection for him. I, I would say if I was going to have to put my, my stake on it, I'll say it's an over projection. But I, I like it because I think he's a super sleeper. This is 74 catches on 115 targets, 909 yards, five touchdowns. I think that's not far. I'm far. I think that's down from last year. But yeah, sure. it should be down from last year. But at the same time, it just seems. I'm parring. And look, I'm, I'm as high on him, on him as anybody else. I'm parring it on him. Let's quickly talk uh, Latavius Murray against Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is going, as, as we noticed, he's going. People are buying into that a little bit more. Do your Especially numbers here? Draft. Do your numbers here uh, follow that? What are your I, thoughts? My numbers say they're pretty close. Like. If you're drafting Dal- Dalvin Cook 20 running backs ahead of Latavius Murray, you're probably overpaying. Um, but if you're getting them fairly close, you know, I can see it. I don't see how you pay Latavius Murray all this money and not give him anything this year. I also don't see them just cutting Jarek McKinnon off and giving him nothing. Because yeah. uh, I still think he'll be involved as a receiver in some aspects. And that, that's all it really comes down to is I think everybody's involved, sort of like Cincinnati, so I'm not paying up for it. Cool. Before we get to the New England Patriots, how about you guys do me a favor and listen to this. Thank you. All right. Uh, no reason to talk about Tom Brady, is there? You no, got he's him. top three quarterback. Top three, 309 points. Gillisley, that's exciting. Uh, I'm I'm liking the numbers I see here. I'm expecting big things out of this guy. I think he's just a better running back, and it's going to prove itself real fast. Uh, and Belichick's going to just be like, wow. So let's give the numbers. 201 attempts for 1,001 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, not much on the receiving end, 10 catches, 104 yards. Well, the one stat that I know from when I was doing these news feeds on him, I think he's got the NFL record right now for most yards per carry uh, with at least uh, in, a, in a career with at least 150 carries in the NFL. So he's beating out your boy, Jamal Charles, and who's the other top three guy? It might have it's Barry. Might be Barry. So record right now, Gillis Lee yards oh, per carry. Speaking of Barry, he's the third guy. I forgot. Oh, there you go. I thought I said Barry. I thought you did too. Yeah, I said Barry. All right, but All right, anyway, that. The, the, my point is this: I think this is actually a pretty strong and, and par. I'm gonna say par uh, on this for a good reason. Before Gillis Lee got there, I wouldn't know what the hell to make of this whole running back situation. I figured this is just. Going to use everyone. I think Deion Lewis is on his way out. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what the sign of this is. Obviously, this is also one of those situations, and this is where you got to give the New England Patriots credit. Um, he's from in their division. They know him, and he became available, and the Bills refused to match the offer. So when guys like this fall into the lap of of, of Bill Belichick, he knows how to use them. I mean, look what he did with Corey Dillon when he got him, yeah. um, and how he got the best out of him. And the other thing is this. If you look at LeGarrette Blunt, look at how he got the best out of LeGarrette Blunt. 18 touchdowns. LeGarrette never had more than seven in a season before last year. So when you're talking about Gillisley, who's been a guy who, what do we say? He was like the vulture, right? He was stealing all the touchdowns from uh, from Shady. Yeah. And now who's going to steal touchdowns from him? James White? Is, is it going to be Rex Burkhart? Maybe Rex Maybe some opportunities, but... Do you really? Can you really drop anybody else that you're going to hand the ball off to inside the five yard line other than Mike Gillisley? 
I'm hoping that Gillis Lee's ADP doesn't all of a sudden it's not jump. It's, it's gonna go up. It's, it's gonna, gonna go up because people are just gonna. But I'm hoping it doesn't because I'm gonna have that guy on every team, probably regardless. I'll pay even pay up for him. I just really, if you guys the eye test, watching that guy play football, he's got it all. And here's he's all you need to know. Here's all I need to know. When you're on New England. A team that runs the ball predominantly when they're in the red zone. They are not a team that's just going to all of a sudden lay back. When they do throw, it goes to Gronk. So if you know that and how effective they are at running the ball and him being the main guy, and look what they did for the Garrett Blunt. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to get 18 touchdowns, but this projection of eight, I'd say it's, he's easily a 10-touchdown guy. Could be. Well, there's a lot of guys to, um, to talk about. No. Not you, okay. huh? All right. Can't be me. I'm yes. on, I'm on yes. airplane mode. <laughs> I'm in heaven. I put it off. Oh, sorry. Um, Let's, let's talk go. about Brandon Cooks yeah. versus Julian Edelman. Mm. We know what Gronk's going to do if healthy. He's going to give you nearly 1,100 yards, probably 11 or 12 touchdowns. That's what makes him the top tight end over Travis Kelsey. He literally has double the touchdown projection. Gronk is a monster in the red zone. Kelsey's never caught more than five in a season. And, you know, what, Tom Brady's likely to score, throw double the touchdowns that Alex Smith is? So, there's that. Uh, Speaking of Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, this is something that I have to see work itself out. More and more OTAs. Uh, But I've got Brandon Cooks as the top receiver because I still think they will work him in as the slot receiver. I do not think I have updated this projection since they re-signed Edelman. I really thought Edelman would be out the door after the season and they'd really start to phase him out, get Brandon Cooks involved. But now that he's in the fold, you know, for the future next three years, this is a lot harder thing to call. I don't know if I can afford to draft either Julian Edelman or Brandon Cooks. And I don't you think I, I'm I'm feeling like they're both being overdrafted. Yeah, they are. I like like Cooks is being drafted like he's going to be a 1,300-yard receiver now that he's on New England. And Edelman is still being drafted like he's going to be an 1,100-yard Edelman receiver. No, Cooks is being drafted like he's still on New Orleans and, you know, an 1,108-touchdown guy. Edelman is still being drafted like he's the only wide receiver. In New England. Yes. Yeah. So, it, it it's tough. No, I agree. Unless you're going to draft Tom Brady in, like, the second or third round... His ADP doesn't bake in that these guys are going to do it. So, well, and look at Tom Brady. Besides the one year where he threw 50 touchdowns, he's not a guy that traditionally throws for a ton of touchdowns. No, because they run it in the red zone. But, yeah, I've got Cooks higher right now. It's probably closer than I can even tell you. Reading these numbers would probably make me sound insane. Uh, why? Is th- that's how high on Cooks you are? Uh, I had him at 83 catches, 131 targets, 1171 yards, 7 touchdowns. And uh, Julian Edelman with 75 catches on 118 targets, 811 yards, and 5 touchdowns. Now, I know we're not talking dynasty stuff here, but when you're looking at Brandon Cooks and you're looking at him where he was potentially going to be on New Orleans and let's say look three down, years down the road, same thing here in New England, where he's going to be without... He would have been without Drew Brees, and he'd be without Tom Brady. Which situation do you like him in better? A Brady. No, no, no. I'm not saying with Brady or Brees. I'm saying oh, just three years down the road, 
they're gone. At least we know potentially right now there's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo who's going to be the person that would take over in New England. I don't know. Three years down the line, man. I don't know. I know it's so hard. I don't know who's coaching either team. But also, but also, you've got to consider Michael Thomas on on the Saints, where which is why they made Brandon Cooks expendable, so they were able. to let's just go to the Saints. Let's do it. Let's do it. Same age. Good transition. It's crazy. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Michael Thomas. Let's go to the Saints. Let's talk about Michael Thomas because Drew Brees is going to be a fucking god. Uh, Michael Thomas, I've got 96 catches, 139 targets, 1166 yards, and eight touchdowns. I see. I like this prediction because this is not the oh my god, Michael Thomas is going to be the world beater now. Brandon Cooks is gone. Here comes 1500 yard Michael Thomas with 13 touchdowns. This is what people who are drafting him early in the second round are thinking. I'm not on board. I'm on par with these. You're putting uh, him more like a possession receiver, though. You're thinking he's more going to be like a, uh, a Colston. That's what he was last year. Look. I, yeah, I, I think he's going to just catch a bunch of passes. I think he's a big body target, and I don't see him being the guy that they're going to send down the field. And who it's who it's going to be interesting, too, though. No, because and this, yeah, because and that's the other thing too. You're not going to want to send him down the field because you don't want to have to burn him out, and then he has to come out for a play, yeah. right? So that's where you're going to want to use Ginn. And the other thing is that now he's going to see double coverage. I, I will say that his 139 targets, based on all the other talent that they have there, I could see that going closer to 150, 160. I but I don't necessarily. I will not no, give no. you the 150, 160. No, no. I, I get what you're saying, but here's here's where I'm going against what you have in here. I think this is a higher catch radius than he's going to have. I, I really think that with the double coverages that he's going to see, with the amount of uh, the, the type of throwaways and stuff, that amazing catch percentage that he had as a rookie is just nowhere going to be close in the second year. Quick question. Let's move on from those guys. Uh, Sneed, you got over 1,000 yards. I like that. So I think I feel pretty I good. really want Sneed on my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's good. He's good. I did too. I like. I like. What the, round you, is it? Like you got to grab him like by ten, or can you get him in Sneed oh, like six, seven, 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 early six, seven yeah. He went. He went pretty early. He did go early because I was like, man, I was like, I was, I was hoping I was going to be able to wait on another comeback for him, and he was just like, oh. yeah. People like him too. Uh, it's Drew Brees. You know, if you're the second or first, second in Brees' world is still uh, number play. one in over twenty other teams uh, in the league. So. Quickly here, if uh, Mark Ingram gets traded or anything like that, do you still think that Peterson's a dog, or do your stats uh, go up? Do you just not like him because he's old and you think he sucks now, or is it just because you like Arian Foster treatment. I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to hold up for a full season. But right now, Mark Ingram is the star. Until yeah. until he comes out and says differently, hey, Adrian Peterson's the starter, Mark Ingram's the starter on this team. I think he's getting 200 carries, and he's going to get some reception. He's going to get 250 or so looks, which is which is what half of their running back looks. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge number. Adrian Peterson not being a great pass catcher limits some upside, and I've even got Adrian Peterson with more touchdowns. Like if he's like Tim Hightower. Had 125-ish, 115-ish carries the last couple years. Was the red zone back. Why is the role going to be much different for Adrian Peterson? Do you think they just want to you know, wear him out? Or they want to keep a 32-year-old back fresh? You know, so you know, if they can potentially make a late-round uh, you know, playoff. Yeah. Uh, to me, I just look at the uh, – projection-wise – 
I'm not sure where to, to really go with the New Orleans backs, but I'll tell you where I'm not going on, on draft day with a New Orleans running back. <laughs> it, it's it's well, and, if I, you, and if I do no, no, no. but if I do, it's going to be Kamara. You know, I'll take I'll take my chance. I'll take my chance on the rookie. I'll take my chance on the fact that. Adrian Peterson is is just to the point where he's beat up and broken down, like we saw, like an Emmett Smith became an Arizona Cardinal. Um, that type of situation, I, I also have a, a very sneaky suspicion that, especially because I don't think the Saints are going to be that great of a team this year, that they're going to be a they seller. Think they're winning the Super Bowl. Well, they can think whatever they want. <laughs> I think that they're going to trade Mark Ingram before I the trade too. deadline, and I, I think too. it'll be in the middle of the season. And that's going to be one of those ones. So I, I think, think if Adrian Peterson's healthy, they're getting rid of. Uh, that's the reason why they signed him. They don't like Mark Ingram. Or, he doesn't get along with Peyton, and Peyton would love to get anything for him. You know, who or you could trade Adrian Peterson. Who? Adrian Peterson. The what? Fumbles at a higher rate than Mark I believe, Ingram. Hey, I, I'm not saying what I. You know, I like Adrian Peterson. I like Mark Ingram. I like them both. I've had them both on my fantasy team a lot over the last five years. I like them both. I'm just telling you what the situation is and what the coaches. Body of work and the commerce and what you hear, he doesn't like Ingram. So I think that there's, and people need Ingram and want him. So I, there's something in the back of my mind that thinks they might move him. Um, and that's another reason why I think they grabbed Kamara. They're like, all right, Adrian Peterson, if he sucks, uh, you know, at least we got something for in, uh, Ingram and we have a. Kamara I've just got the pass catcher. Yeah, Kamara is not a guy that you're going to have to pay any attention to. Again, the only reason I say he's the guy that I had the most interest in. Is off the waiver wire, and especially if they trade one of those guys. Nice. New York Giants, we're moving on. Um, and we are going to start with OBJ in the Muggity Segity. 96 catches on 151 targets, 1,308 yards, 10 TDs, finishing at a PPR 287.30. I'm saying that's low. I think I think he could go in the fifteen hundred yards. I think the catches and the targets and the touchdowns are fine, but I could see him uh, getting uh, maybe fourteen, a little more yardage. I think he's capable of that. Well, I think he's capable of it. I think the addition of Brandon Marshall and the development of uh, Sterling Shepard and uh, maybe having a little bit more consistent running game this year with uh, Paul Perkins and Wayne Goldman. I don't know. I think this is a probably, I would say, on par for what I'm looking at for OBJ. He's also one of these volatile guys. He's going to have like that one, three or four weeks where he's going to just completely destroy for you, and then he's going to have two or three weeks where he's just going to completely destroy you. <laughs> Question I got for you. Uh, one, I like Ingram. I'm not a big Shepherd guy. I do like Ingram, though. I think he's going to have some, a few Ooh. nice games. Oh, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Ingram. Sorry, we just got yeah, Ingram. Ingram. No, Evan Ingram, the rookie. Okay, um, spell different. Quick question, quick question for you guys. Um, I don't know. I guess Eli Manning. He's he was such a dud last year. Can he turn it around? Because it all falls to shit if he can't be a lot better than he was last year. Well, look, I, I think I think there's enough history with him and the name that he's a Manning uh, to look at these numbers and say, look, he's always been a perennial thrown for close to. 4,400 yards, close to even close to 5,000. I think he, he sniffed it, or the I think it came like 13 yards short one year. Um, so he could throw for the big ones. He's not going to give you that like that Peyton type of touchdown production. So maybe I think that the 30 touchdowns is a little bit high, but at the same time, I don't necessarily because you don't have unless Wayne Gallman becomes this guy who can all of a sudden become like a Jeremy Hill proficiency in the red zone type that. They're going to have to be relying on throwing the ball to OBJ and throwing it to Brandon Marshall. But these are both uh, wide receivers that have proven to be adept red zone wide receivers. 
just over the last three years, he's thrown 30, 35, and 26 touchdowns. So it's a pretty normalized projection of 30. Um, With it being uh, 26 was last year. So you went from 14 to, to this year. You're talking about Eli, right? Yeah, he was he was working he was working forward. So 30, so 35, 26. Cool. Um, and then so those have been his touchdowns rates. He's been 4,400 yards, 4,400 yards, 4,000 yards under uh, McAdoo. So I think he rebounds a little bit. And you're not paying a very high price for him. No. You're getting him in the Carson Palmer range. So I think he's one of those last guys you could go with. I don't want him as my starter, but I think I can get by with him as my starter. You know what I would think is we were talking before how you like rather be drafting if you could be drafting for best ball. Yeah. If I have a best ball league, I want Eli Manning because just the fact that you have OBJ who's going to be potentially going to get a 70-yard touchdown on the first like player five <laughs> of the game, then all of a sudden... Eli, like Roethlisberger, like Flacco, these are the guys that have had the propensity to throw 400 yards and three or four touchdowns. So they win you weeks on their own. Last year was like the complete anomaly, and it was still a 26-touchdown season for him. I think with the addition of Brandon Marshall, I think that you can see, especially in a best ball purpose, that he way outkicks his coverage. Nice. I think one thing to say about Marshall, whether we like him or not, uh, we know he's a douchey on the second year, but this is his first year, and he's never not been the wide receiver one on any team he's ever been on in his career. So I think finally it's going to be a nice opportunity. Like, wait, what? I don't have Norman on me. I don't have say their best corner, uh, you know, shadowing me all day. And I think that's going to kind of that's going to make him a bit younger. Can I go back? We all know he's a little bit douchey. <laughs> that's all. That's all. All right, let's go to the Jets. 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 And um, who is there to talk about? The yeah. only people I really care about is Galal Powell, Matt Forte. Yeah. I right. got them with very similar rushing production, but I, I think you know that Galal Powell is the preferred guy on third mm-hmm. down. I, I think they're going to get him passing targets, and with you know this passing game being what it is, and not having a lot of developed weapons, that they're going to need to dump it off, and Galal Powell should see a boatload of targets. You know, the other thing I like about it, too, is that I kind of feel that, like, when they start, though, just by namesake, that Forte will hopefully be that starter. And that's usually a good sign because usually the guy that comes in second lets that first guy take all the, the, the best the defense has to offer. Then they're a little bit winded, and by the time Bilal Powell's coming out, he's, he's the guy that's getting the big chunk yards out of it. And Forte's 30 years old, but this week they did kind of come out and say, who knows, it's coach speak. Everyone's great, everyone sucks, everything in between in the OTAs. And this you know they're lying, this is they, the New York Jets. Everything is not great. They basically said that he was going to be the, 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 the lead back. So Forte. Yeah. So that's but that's the only reason why Bilal still scares me a little bit. Um, we'll see. I, don't I like this that stuff. because Bilal has shown over the last two to three years. It just depends on where you're getting him in the draft. That he is going to get a workload and he's going to do something with the touches that he gets. I so like, he's a productive I like, guy. I like the guy. <coughs> uh, Quincy Anunua. Can we say that PK Ripper might have overdrafted him in that mock? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like the guy. I think he's going to be. I like the yeah, numbers for him too. Look at him in about the high. eighth round. Yeah. Don't. I mean, I think. What he's was the round that he took him in? That might even be a little high. I think it was. I think that I was think like, six. I think it, he's a guy that I would. Uh, where did I get him in our first mock draft? Round fourteen. But that yeah. was when Eric Decker was supposedly still on the team. The, the one thing is this: I'm a big Anuma fan. We know we've. I, I talked about him a lot. 
Fuck. My thing is, I'm not even with Debergon. I cannot project him to go that high because look at what his skill set is. So this is really where again, where it's like I give Waz now. I'm going to agree with him that the Jets really saw something in Robbie Anderson more so that they're willing to say, okay, let's let Decker go and let's go with this young core, and then we can maybe add one more piece next year in the draft. And a Noonwah to me at best. Figures to be a wide receiver two on the Jets, not the wide receiver one. I think he can be the wide receiver one. I agree. And the reason they let go, I hope so. And they let go of Decker because Noon was best position is playing the slot, which is also Eric Decker's Decker best best position. So it's like redundant to get the younger player, get him some reps. But who um, the hell is going to give him? So the do ball, you think so. that a new one then is going to be getting like a big big bump in his snap counts this year? Yeah, I think he sees a good snap count, and I think he sees 120 or so targets. Because remember, what he could do with those targets is completely up to him. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to the Oakland Raiders. This is obviously a power and numbers team. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, congrats on your money. I like the interview where he said this is going to help out a lot of people around the world. That's cool. Um, you aren't a Derek Carr fan, so we'll start out with there. Um, on, you got him at 4,264, so you think he's finally going to go over 4,000 yards. That's good news. Um, 31 TDs. Uh, putting him at standard 281.66. Only 10 touch, only ten interceptions. 10 interceptions. Yeah, 31 uh, TDs, 10 interceptions. So 281.66. What is that, about 12? QB 16. 16. Wow. The hate as, is strong. As, no, as you said, the QB 8 and QB right. 17 is 20, it's just 20 points in projections. So it's... But you're making a statement, and I like it. I know you. Two ninety six. It's I'm not. I'm not. It's based on career touchdown rates and projection of yards. Don't get mad. I like him. It's dumb. And you know that I'm a big car guy too. So I'm just going to lean on the fact that hey, look, they're giving him all this money. He's a guy who's continuing to develop his game. You have Amari Cooper, who's a young up and coming wide receiver, who's only getting better. Um, you, you see the picture of him this week. He's a, he's an enormous. Just stacked. Nice. Oh my God, he got so. Crabtree, who's had the ultimate resurgence of his career since he's come here. The fact that that it Derek is Carr is a solid, um, smart guy with the ball. He's never been a guy that you're going to have to worry about him throwing 15, 16, 17 interceptions. And the fact that now Latavius Murray is gone, who stole a lot of touchdowns from him in the red zone, and that the running backs that you have there. Now look, I know Marshawn Lynch. I'm. I'm going to have to believe it when I see it that all of a sudden Marshawn is still Marshawn after the time off. So I kind of feel like when you lose a step, right, and I think that that's where Marshawn's going to be. Marshawn's going to be most effective when you're at the two-yard line and you need to punch it into the end zone. But I don't know that he's going to be the Marshawn that he had been for Seattle. I'm worried. Okay. So, and I'm but looking. if all he's good at is scoring touchdowns. I know. Then it's, Derek, Latav- Paul, it's Latavius Derek. Murray again. I get exactly. it. Exactly. I get it. But I, I don't think that's what the case is going to be. I think this is going to be one of those, uh, it's another Oakland Raider move going after an old veteran and it didn't work out. And I think that's where he's going to start spreading it out more. And I think the addition of Jared Cook is potentially going to be, not that it's going to be a, a major impact on a weekly basis, but Jared Cook's going to give him more than he got out of Clyde Walford and Michael Rivera anytime in their careers. Sure, I just don't know if they change anything. On yeah. That. Like... It, Doing more for Derek Carr's projection literally causes it to go outside of career norms and say he's going to 
and I did that with the yardage, and it's great. What else? Can he really throw more than 32 touchdowns, which he did once in his career? And that was an astronomical touchdown rate. Are the Oakland Raiders really going to be the best offense in the league? No, but I think that they can be, uh, as far as top passing top. offense, a, a, a top a top six passing offense. I can see that. I can make a case. All right. I mean, so, I mean, that's where it comes down to. And the other thing is that... The thing is, right now, Derek Carr is being drafted at QB6. Yeah. I can't pay that price. Well, you, when I mean, you, we look, we when look everybody at, has the same projection... In a tier, right? How can I draft Derek Carr? This QB six is the first guy after all the studs. But it doesn't always work out that way because where did I draft him in our mock draft? I I, I don't think it was QB six. I think I waited even longer than that. It wasn't too much longer, but okay. Maybe seven or eight or whatever the case is. But I'm saying that like at that point in time, if I'm waiting for the eighth quarterback and I want a young guy that has upside that has still got potentially the best, more of his better football ahead of him. And who has shown a propensity to be like a young Philip Rivers, like knows how to handle the ball and not turn it over. That's really important in fantasy. Yeah, he has thrown interceptions. He's thrown 13 and 12 interceptions. So 10. And, and how many did he throw last year? Six. Six. But what I'm saying is, Great. when you're talking about 13, 12, and that's in your first couple years, and then you're bringing it down, you, he gets it. And this is also why I'm a big fan of Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, Prescott's a guy who just, he's... Maybe he's too conservative that he's not going to take those extra chances, but he doesn't make mistakes. So you want the ultimate maximizer of that, but he throws a lot more touchdowns than like Alex Smith, who's the ultimate game manager. So we've spent enough time on Derek. Move it on. I have a feeling we're going to be talking at a nauseam about Derek Carr all offseason. So let's try to be smart about not doing so. So our listeners are like, Jesus, enough of friggin' Derek Carr already. Um, pretty crazy here to look at the projections where you've got. Um, Crabtree, I was dealing with Daisy, who I did have to turn on the air conditioning. She's like panting in there, so sorry if there's a newfound hum. I just don't want my dog to die tonight. Um, basically, got a Crabtree, and I like this Crabtree with more catches by five. Uh, let's just, I'll give you the line. Crabtree with 90 catches on 145 targets and 1,031 yards and eight touchdowns. And you've got um, Cooper with 85 catches on 141 targets with uh, 1,178 and seven touchdowns. So essentially, out of those four stat columns, you've got Crabtree winning all of them except for yards. Um, I like it. And you got in PPR, basically a guy that's going super high, middle of the second round, Amari Cooper, overdrafted in my opinion. Um, Finishing with only forty four more points, four not forty four more points than Crabtree, who you're able to get in seventh or eighth round. Crabtree sixth, fourth round. Crabtree is no longer undervalued. Jesus, hold on, really? Yeah, Crabtree is no longer undervalued because everybody loves their uh, early fifth. Okay, I'm seeing just so there, it's it's you use a calculator. Yeah, I, I, I look at a bunch of them, but right. Oh, I thought you were right. What do you look at right now? No, no, no. ADP calculator. I didn't know what you were going like. Use the calculator. You're making like an old statement. Like, did you get out your abacus? It's higher. That was even going deeper back when I was going. What's the pay taste? It's higher. It's higher than I thought. Yeah, he's going higher. Crabtree's 
raising the ranks. And he's going like right, right as wide receiver twenty usually in drafts. You yeah. know what? Though, but I think that's like about right no, for him. Right. I, I mean, he's right behind Jarvis Landry. Yeah, and, and honestly, you have a much higher potential for touchdowns with Michael Crabtree than you do with Jarvis Landry. Well, let's quickly go because yeah. we're doing projections. But who would you take, Crabtree or T- Tyree Kill? Mm. Crabtree. Who would you Crabtree. take, Keenan Allen or Crabtree? Crabtree. Jarvis Landry or Crab- Crabtree? Crabtree. I mean, there you go. Crabtree's rated just below each Well, think guys. about it this way, too. This is what's also and amazing. On this Who is the guy on, between Amari Cooper and Crabtree that draws the number one coverage from defense? Amari. Yeah. So that's why Crabtree gets a better opportunity. This is the same reason why Emmanuel Sanders has thrived since he's been in Denver because Demarius Thomas is getting all the main stuff and he gets the secondary coverage. Yeah. Must be nice. Cool. Yeah. I like it. It's great uh, to live in the shadow. <laughs> anything else to talk about? Uh, I think Marshawn, I like your numbers there. I agree. We'll quickly go on. I agree. He's not going to be Marshawn uh, from Seattle, but I think this team's going to score a lot of points, and there's going to be those games where it's like they're up, and they're just going to be like, you know what, Marshawn? We're, we're home in Oakland. We're about here's to be gone. Yeah, here's, here's some Skittles. Everyone loves you. Let's have it be a Marshawn game, and he's going to be a win the weaker. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles projections. Uh, I'll let you, one of you guys, uh, run it, and I'll just say whether I think it's uh, high or low. All right, so Carson Wentz, 4,088 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 164 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 251 points, which would be good for QB. 18, 19, 20. 20, 20. okay. And then, here's my thing with Carson Wentz. I, I, I look at this projection. I'm fine with the yardage projection. I, you know, I, I can't see him topping over 4,200 yards. That would be like the, the maximum that I could put on him. But at the same time, I could make a better case for him to score more than, throw more than 22 touchdowns. I'll make the case that he would throw four to six more touchdowns. So, uh, and I would say that his accuracy is good enough that he could take his interceptions from there from 14 to somewhere closer to uh, 12. And so, I, I would, to piggyback you, I don't know if I think it's so much. I think it's a couple more, a little more in the air. I like the yardage. But I think he's a better runner than he's given credit for. Oh, yeah. So I think, I think he could throw up more yardage and more TDs. Uh, than two TDs and 164 yards. Yeah, I think, I think he could double his yards and I say give him one more touchdown. He's a, good, he's a good athlete. So now they don't want him doing that because the last thing they want to do is have this guy in his second year become the RG3 part two. Um, not that he was on the Eagles, but they, they're going to protect this guy and say do not start getting crazy. Uh, but one of the reasons why they drafted him, one of the reasons why I thought he was so much better in a golf as a prospect, like, this kid's a sick athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I want you to give me a fresh beer. You serious? Now! Now! My main concern with the rushing is I, I just don't think he's Andrew Luck as a runner. Any Blake Bortles, I don't think he's going to rush for 300 yards. No, but he was a runner in college, and he's look again. This is I, I know that we've had this conversation. We don't need to have this conversation yeah. because I'm, well, I'm the person who believes that they really bridled him in his first year, and he's going to be unbridled in his second year. We'll see. He, he's definitely a, there's a lot of buzz about Wentz. There's a lot of people liking him. I'm not as high as that, but I think he's a good player. So we'll see. It could be. It could. It might not be a soft. Let's talk about season. Alshon Jeffrey because this is probably more of a, the interesting one. So I think this is an under projection for him. This is a guy who again is, is betting on himself. He's in the contract year. He needs to have it. 
Um, the projections show him with uh, 70 catches on 124 targets, 956 yards and six touchdowns. Let me correlate this to Jordan Matthews, who has projected at 72 receptions on 117 targets for 817 yards and five touchdowns. Personally, I think Jordan Matthews is the is the big loser on this team um, when it comes to who's with the addition of Alshon Jeffrey and what they're doing here. Um, I know you don't have Nelson Aguilar on here. That's because he's going to get cut. Well, we'll find out. I, I, I have a feeling. Literally, they're I saying he's going to get cut. <laughs> well, either he gets cut or I think Jordan Matthews gets traded. Um, because Or Jordan Matthews is just going to uh, underperform for people. He's not that t- high-end guy. He's at best at... He's at best a wide receiver two to wide receiver three on a team. He's a compliment. No, that's what he is now. I, I, yeah, I, I know. I think that Alshon's being undervalued here. I think that you're giving, you know, you're saying, this is saying that he's going to have two more receptions than Alshon. He's going to have only seven less uh, targets and, and only one less touchdown with basically 140 yards separating them. Here's, Alshon's going to have bigger games. Alshon's going to give you, if Alshon plays 16, he's giving you 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. Well, you just said, you just said it, what I said. I like these numbers. Because he's not playing 16. Okay, well then that may be it. I mean, I kind of agree with his number. I think he'll have 1,000 yards. He'll figure out a way to get to that He's going to play at least 15 when he's playing for a contract. To that contract. But I don't think these numbers are so bad. Uh, but if he does play all 16 games, he shatters these numbers. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that, that's what I do feel. But I don't think he does. But well, I've never talked so about the league's projections are based on them playing 16 games. I know, and I know. But I'm giving him, I'm giving him an out and saying... Well, fine, but I'm saying under... <laughs> I'm or saying, over. I'm thinking he's going over. I, well, you're saying um, the the projection is under what he's going to. Yes. So I'm going to go. What do you you, you you like him? You just think he's going to be injured? You just think he's not going to be great this year? I. Why is Alshon suddenly a better receiver than he's ever been? Like, why is his career rates going to change? Why can't he be an 1,100-yard okay. with eight touchdowns? Because he was doing that shit on, like, 170 targets with the Bears. Why is he suddenly going to get 150 or 160 targets when there's more weapons than he's had to compete with the last two years? Because he's not going to be the same quarterback that he was in year well, he one. He had Brandon Marshall two. for a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And he had 151 targets with Jay Cutler. Like, there was other weapons... Do we think Zach Ertz is going away? Do we think Torrey Smith is going I'm like D-Rex. That was still on a Bear team that was running the ball more. It was a Matt Forte-based offense. and I think it's a little That was also more Josh McCown coming into Jay Cutler. If he stays healthy, they're going to they're gonna be peppering him. I'm... And just so you know, you lost you, you, a couple year last year. Not really, maybe last year, but you, you were you were a fan, so you're turning on him quickly, which is fine. It's it's he's an injury prone putz. I don't love this guy as a player, but I do know that he's working harder right now than he was one year ago and two years ago to go get this this money. When they I, I just don't the tag, see when they tag more than eight targets like, a game. Cool. Well, let's move, let's move, let's move on. Uh, we don't need to talk about Ertz. We'll have plenty of time to discuss him. Um, Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Should we do? Yeah, before we get to the Steelers, how about you guys do us a favor and take a listen to our sponsors. Thank you. Um, that is going to be, uh, who do you want to talk about? The big dog? you want to talk about Le'Veon or do you want to no, go about No, we don't talk about Le'Veon. Yeah. Le'Veon's like David Johnson. It's like Bell, has, Bell has a projection very close to David Johnson. They're neck and neck in my book. Mike Clay has him neck and neck uh, with Le'Veon Bell slightly ahead. 
We've seen Le'Veon Bell's touches per game when he came back be greater than David Johnson's. The things that was greater about David Johnson's game was the touchdown ability. But we've also seen Bell score at a high rate in previous seasons. Well, here's the other thing. I've always been the guy, and I think I had him currently, where I have Le'Veon Bell ahead of David Johnson. I'm going to change it going into this one. I'll tell you, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the reason why. Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant uh, versus Larry Fitzgerald and John Brown. Well, there was a stat that I should that I didn't tweet, but one thing I'll say is there. Someone uh, tweeted out some numbers. God damn it! I, I, I was driving and I, I just done another tweet, so I didn't want to uh, piggyback it. But the numbers for Antonio Bryant, a uh, Brown, when Le'Veon Bell's playing versus when he's not, it's like That's he's a, a six hundred yard, totally different, yeah, totally different player. But, but. So the if Le'Veon Bell is healthy the whole year, Brown's numbers are coming down, especially with Bryant back. But, hold on. Antonio Brown's numbers were still 1,400 yards oh, and sick. 11 touchdowns. He's but sick. then without Bell, he's on a 16-game pace of 2,000 yards and 14 touchdowns. And how like, old is he? Who? Antonio. 28, 29. In the prime, in that... He's hit, in the zone. Close to hitting the apex. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, year or next year is like is, is, is the top end of it. Yeah, yeah, potentially. It's the end the top end performance. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go. Antonio and Brown, the end of Ben so definitely the end of his top end performance. Antonio Brown, 161 targets. You've got him catching 111 of those for 1,411 yards and 11 touchdowns. I'm getting sense there's some 11s going on there. You know what's interesting? Hold on, hold on. Let's quickly talk about Martavis and then um, Martavis Bryant, and then you guys can have your uh, your way. So Martavis, you've got 71 catches on 117 targets. That's a lot of targets for him. Um, 1,078 Yards and eight touchdowns. Wow, you got him. You, you got him having a nice year. Uh, you're liking him too. So go go for it. I just want to throw out those numbers, and now we can talk about it. Yeah, I just wanted to say this with Antonio Brown. I mean, didn't he get was it 200 targets one year? Was, was, yeah. was he right up there with the 190? So this is where it's kind of interesting. So this is why this year has been kind of going back to where we had some wide receivers being drafted or number one overall last year. Now we're back to kind of like, okay, it's going uh, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, and then we're seeing the three wide receivers because you're not having that just super heavily targeted guy that's going to get that 200, like the, like when Julio Jones was up at that 200 level and then he drops down 50 targets. It's just yeah. kind of what happens. And now when you have to look at Antonio Brown with Martavis Bryant there, you got to look at Odell Beckham with Brandon Marshall there, uh, and, then, and then you look at um, Julio Jones. To me, Julio Jones is the one guy who didn't get the addition of anybody else. It was just more like, oh, Taylor Gabriel's here. Now he's a bigger part of the offense in here. Austin Hooper's growing a little bit. So I just find it interesting that the who is going to be the super breakout. Right. These top guys are all going to give you kind of similar numbers I look at it this year. Um, I think Julio has maybe the better chance without as much competition there. But who's going to be that wide receiver that jumps in is, is the other thing. But Martavis could be one of them. Would you take quickly, and then I'll let you skip. Would you take if you're um, past? Do you take Julio or Brown first? Who do you like better out of those two guys this year? Brown. Okay. What about you? It's Julio. Okay. Oh, what were you say? over Julio too. You like so you're Brian. Okay. What were you gonna say, buddy? So, 
Martavis Bryant is good at football. Ooh, yeah, he is. It, Martavis Bryant's per game average, if you include the playoff games he's played in, because he's played in three in his two active years, right? That produces a 16 game pace of 63 receptions on 113 targets for 1,039 yards receiving, 92 yards rushing per season, and 11 total touchdowns. That's the thing that's crazy. His touchdown rate. I don't think it is. Well, no, no, but but when you look at the percentage, that's the one that stands out, right? 60, how many catches? 11 touchdowns? One out of every Yeah, 18%. 18%, give or take. 18 to 20% of his catches will go for touchdowns. Because he's that. He is. Listen, Martavis Bryant is not just an elite field stretcher, right? He's an elite red zone player. And when you combine the Des Bryant red zone prowess with the deep ball nature of AJ Green, you somehow get. The fucking alien that is Martavis Bryant, and you put him in the perfect and you put him in the perfect situation with a quarterback who can extend the pocket longer than anybody else in the league and can throw the deep pass, not like some of these other guys that we talked about that can't. So I'm with you 100. percent This is where I don't I don't know if I take him in the third round like you did in PPR, but wait, right end of third round. Basically, just the same. Right, right in the fourth rounds, maybe. I, I want to be in the fifth round. I knew you were taking there because you had such a long swing, swing until he's going to come back. Well, and the other thing is, too, is like, uh, if I, t- I, I, I take him in the third round, so I didn't want to wait for the, the person who has two yeah. picks in a row to be like, oh, I grabbed this wide receiver. I'll just take a chance. So when you have that well, feeling on a guy, you have to jump at some point. Okay. Really? The guys you love. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think we got to move on to the next team. We can. Are we okay with that? Yep. We uh, talked a lot of Pittsburgh The here. Steelers are good. They are good. They're, They're not good. the best offense, though, in projections. So there's that. There you go. Who is the best? Uh, Packers for touchdowns. Uh, and yardage goes to the New Orleans Saints. Saints? Man, that's no shock there. No, it's no uh, shock there with the perennial 5,000-yard uh, quarterback. You have you, you, you have him going just on four you have four eighty eight four on four thousand eight hundred and eighty eight for Breeze this year you got him projected? Yeah, it's probably low. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean I, look I, we'll see Let's what happens. Yeah, we already talked about that. Let's move on. Uh Seattle Sea Herks. Herks. The Herks, uh Russell Wilson. You've got him um, throwing 517 passes, 331 completions for 4,203 yards, 28 TDs, 10 interceptions. Let's see what this old man's doing on the ground. 90 rushes, 382 yards, 2 TDs. That puts him at a standard, or just 310 uh, points and .32. What does that put him, 3? Third highest? Fourth highest? Uh, He's up there. He is the... uh, Fourth highest passer. He's actually ahead of Tom Brady, but I don't know if I have Tom Brady with enough attempts. And then you've got him. So he comes in just under twenty points per game. Um, I'm gonna say I like it. I, I think it might be a little high. I think it's high. I think it's a little high. I think he's. I think he's like a. I think he's gonna be like quarterback six or seven this year. I can't pinpoint what I think is too high. I think well, it just all comes down a little bit across the board. But think of it this close. 
Here, here he's uh, he's projected for what the four thousand two hundred yards. Yeah. Last year was his career high so far at forty two hundred nineteen. Uh, his touchdowns are projected at what's twenty eight. Twenty eight. He had twenty one last year, thirty four the year before, twenty twenty six twenty six. So twenty eight can be fair. I, I have no problem with that. Yeah. I, I just kind of think that with the yardage for him, and, and the reason for me is that I look at the rest of the guys on the team. Doug Baldwin, I like. Okay, Doug Baldwin's one of those like underappreciated guys, hard workers, does all this. Tyler Lockett's a guy that really hasn't taken to the next level. Paul Richardson has shown flashes, but you got to show it to me over a 16-game season when you're 165 pounds. Um, I love Jimmy Graham this year. I think he's going to take uh, a kind of a resurgence back to his earlier forms. So, and your numbers are saying that as well, Stags. Yeah, and, and I kind of feel like so. I can kind of see where this is almost maybe par, if not a little bit high. I just you got things got to go right because the fact that you have Eddie Lacy, the fact that you have CJ Pro Solsice, the fact that you still have Thomas Rawls, you got guys that you can still kind of do your your hammer and, and pound like you did when you had Marshawn Lynch back in the day and you were going to Super Bowls. Maybe that X factor is the Pro Size. You know, maybe the pro size to help him as a uh, little dump off out of the backfield for seven yards. Pro size can is a deep threat. He's an everything threat. He's, yeah. He can pro do size. Remember the game where Seattle just came over to New England and fucking whooped that ass. That was because CJ Pro size thirty-one to twenty-four whooped that ass, but well, he threw, in New England. I know. I think I think I think uh, Russell scored like forty-three or forty-eight fantasy points or something. In, in your time. in your crazy league, yes. <laughs> well, my league, you probably scored 60 points. <laughs> but literally, they, they played out of their ass. It was the game where C.J. Procise was the feature back. Yeah. And he was very involved as a receiver. Russell Wilson played his best game of the season. You know, he finally looked healthy. Everything looked like it was coming together. And, and that's just something I think that could happen next year with Procise yeah. another year. You know... Older he's, he's and and process has no competition because it's it's not Lacey and Rawls are going to eat it with each other. They're not going to do anything to process production. Uh, I, I just think his overall touches are semi capped. This is the only main. But but process is. But he doesn't have. Yeah, he's talking about as the third down. That's what I mean. They don't want to come in and challenge him on that. Process touches benefit Wilson, where whereas Lacey and and Rawls do Ross. not at all. No. Yeah. I mean, when they did, when they were at their best, it was the play-action bootlegs stuff with Marshawn Lynch when he was running. That's when their offense was sort of at their best a couple of years ago. Well, here's, here's all I'm saying. I, I could probably see it more that Russell throws for 4,000, but I could see him running for 400 and 500 yards. So I see the rushing yards maybe being He's a getting older. older. I think no, I know he's getting older, older, but... Look, he's still—he's always been a smart runner. He's not a guy that runs into contact. If you think that, then you basically think that he's going to be even higher than Staggs uh, has him. That could be. I mean, he's got him at the QB three right now. But I, I think he's there. So I think this is interesting. Russell Wilson can get it done in so many different ways. That's why he's fucking awesome. I mean, where do I, I, I where do I have Russell Wilson? Let Let's quickly go to Jimmy Graham, who's a guy that I'm with uh, Houdini on, and I think you are. Doug well. Baldwin's very solid. Yeah, that seems right. I think he's the first wide receiver too. I don't like drafting him as a wide receiver one. No, I made that very clear. Um, but Jimmy Graham, 108 targets, 69 catches, 968 yards, seven touchdowns. That'd be a big touchdown number for it him. But if Russell's going to throw it, I think Jimmy is going to be a big proponent. Well, and who else is a red zone target there? 
that's Doug, the thing. Sort of Doug Baldwin. He did catch 14 touchdowns. Well, no, because season. Doug Baldwin. <laughs> was that last year? Yeah, two like, years ago. Two years ago. But Doug Baldwin, that was, a lot of those were also like in that, that crazy second half of the season. I know. Some of them were big, long play oh, touchdowns. Oh, no, no doubt. Jimmy Graham, had, we all know, with his days in New Orleans, he was the guy who was spiking the ball every single time, which is illegal now. <laughs> um, but Still illegal after they changed, lightened up the touchdown. Also. Right, that one, that's what I mean. Yeah, they wouldn't let that one go. So, um, Jimmy can give you 10 touchdowns, potentially. And I don't think that that's really a being a stretch. I don't think Jimmy can give you 10 touchdowns really? in Seattle. I don't know about that. I hope you're right, because I feel I'm feeling he's going to be on a lot of my teams. But I like these numbers. I think that's par. I think Jimmy could do a little bit more in the yardage, maybe have some more catches. It, it just all depends. I think uh, uh, an unknown is, is, Tyler, is Tyler Lockett healthy. Is Paul Richardson going to make the step? We saw, like you said, we saw some some glimpses of, of a guy that um, looked worth the second round pick. If he can kind of step up his game, is Jermaine Curse still dead? See, yes. but those are those are three <laughs> questions right there, which leads you to say thousand yards for Jimmy Graham and potentially ten touchdowns. Because but those, got, those questions all existed last season. Yeah. He didn't get the thousand. I know, but he's also been ingratiating himself more and more into the offense as it's gone on. And what he's yeah, he's farther away from an injury that I misconstrued. Uh, oh, we literally thought he was dead. Yeah, I thought, I thought, he, was I, I thought he was done. Done. Like nobody had ever come back in the NFL from it. So done. Good for him. Yep. Cool. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I left my heart in San Francisco. They've got all of our ex-Bear quarterbacks there, but we know that Brian Hoyer can get it done in fantasy. You've got him at 33,818 yards, 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Um, and he's not the guy that you're going to draft, but he's a great guy you can stream. And he's a great guy for player. He's a great guy delivering the pill to fantasy wide receivers. Well, let's talk about the guy who is your most favorite guy, who is a guy who I snagged in our mock draft. (laughs) You love him. He's your most favorite. No, this is a guy that you've been really high in the last couple years, and you think that this move to San Francisco, and I agree with you, in Shanahan's offense and this type of thing, Pierre Garçon has a chance for just bargain value written all over him. What do you think about where he's projected out here? So he's projected with uh, I'm sorry, 79 receptions on 129 targets, 1,030 yards. I like 1,030 it. yards I and more catches. I think more catches. I think he's more of a PPR guy than this. More catches, but I think the yardage, I mean, it's the 49ers. Do I, am I expecting this guy to have a lot of touchdowns? No, they're not going to score that much. But who's uh, going to steal targets from him? I think Curly's better than advertised, um, to be honest. He's Curly's the ultimate, like, been like that journeyman guy who gets his done year, where he's at. And he was signed like a day before week one. So I, I, I hear, here's the thing. I, I like Garcon. I think these numbers are pretty solid. Are pretty solid. And you're getting, he's moving up. He's actually not the value that he, that he was when I really had a lot of love for him. Um, in all honesty, I, I passed on him a couple times in that mock. One yep. with Jimmy uh, Graham, I took him. Um, I, I, I love a Garcon, but his trajectory and his storyline and his uh, what's your narrative street is getting to a point with him being back with uh, um, Shanahan. He's moving into his own where just because it's the 49ers, and I think they've got a, some good promise happening there, but still right now they're the 49ers. But I like these numbers. I think they're good. I think he can have more catches though, because I think they're going to be locking in on him. He's going to be targets, but he's not going to. He's not a big yard per catch guy, and he's not going to be a big. No, I think the thousand yards is fair. 
I don't, I do not in any way see him, even though I'm like you, I can see the value of where he is now in this opportunity later in his career, but he's not going to be a 1,200-yard receiver. He's an awesome <coughs> wide receiver three. He's going to give probably you some big best, games, though, right? He's probably the best wide receiver three there is out there this year, I, in my opinion. Well, and this is also when you look at and a that's team like San Francisco that's going to be inconsistent, but they're going to have games where they're down, they're just going to have like some big plays afterward. Garcon's going to get the benefit of some of the best. You're going to, as an owner, you'll love him for his garbage end of third quarter, fourth quarter production when he's giving you nothing up until then. Willie Sneed or Pierre Garcon? Well, that's a great question. I'm a Garcon. You know what? Garcon. I, 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 oh, man. I like them both. They're right, they're right in that zone. But I'm, they're literally my I'm garbage. Like, like one versus the other. Like 29 other. and 30 yeah. projected. <laughs> I would say that I would have more faith in Garcon just because of what he's done in his career because okay. of the fact that it's Hoyer and not Kaepernick. Yeah, but it's Drew Brees and not Brian Hoyer. I know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if it was Kaepernick, that there was no chance it would absolutely be the other give way a sec, Give a second. Okay, so some things about Garcon. His six touchdowns, his career high. Like, never in a season when he's played with guys like Peyton Manning yeah, and right. Kirk Cousins because he had more than six touchdowns. But he's always a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver one now. Basically, and we, you you don't agree with this, but he's always been like two, three. What are the wide receiver one? There was one, one season where he was the wide receiver one. And that was with, really, yeah. With Shanahan, yeah, yeah, yeah. he got 181 targets. That's, Do I think that's in the realm of possibilities again? Not really. How about 140? Sure. I've got him at 129. Okay. Uh, can I give myself 10%? And he's he's had two seasons with seventy nine or more catches. One was that one hundred and eighty one target season, uh, and then yardage, only two seasons above that. I, I just is he good enough to be a wide receiver one at his you know age now? Well, NFL wide receiver one or fantasy wide 31 receiver? 31 years. You say fantasy. NFL. NFL, NFL wide receiver one. No, we, fantasy you know wide receiver two. You know what? I, NFL wide receiver one is a tough thing because it's all about contracts. It's all about where teams are spending their money. There's always why people get put into situations where they're going to have a better chance to succeed than their actual talent is. The only thing that would allow uh, Garcon to be a true fantasy wide receiver number one is, is if he puts up a T.Y. Hilton-like yardage season. He Works. had his chance when Marvin Harrison retired. When it was him and Re- or, or, or whatever it was. The year when it was him and Reggie Wayne, and he was actually the better wide receiver than Reggie Wayne. And and then it was that they re-signed him right, and they brought him back, but he, he's... No, he's never really gotten... He never to, re-signed an Indy. First, first off, first off, he's not going to be a wide receiver one this year. He's not. I think he's a great I'm wide receiver. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, but T.Y. T- Hilton's a wide receiver one. Yes. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, well, T.Y. Hilton and him are in the same category. You think he's a great wide receiver three. I think he's going to have some nice games. But what we talked about with uh, OBJ and how he's going to free up things for Marshall, now he's the wide receiver one on this team. He's getting the best guy on the other team. Something that he has never had to deal with, especially not in the last few years on Washington, because we know they've had I think Deshaun and all that stuff. So it's going to be tough for him. There's and gonna, it's the NFC West. Games. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Sherman and Sherman. Yeah, it's going to be tough out Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson. Those are tough corners. No doubt about it. Now the one thing I'll do, I will say though, is if it is Brian Hoyer who's there, he does throw a lot to 
certain guys. He locks in on certain sure. sides of the field because he, true. That he true. can't turn. He's so, an omni turn. So left side, right? So left <laughs> side of the field? Okay. Omni turn. Okay, moving let's on. move it on. We're on to our third to last team here, guys. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we're going to start with Jameis Winston. Uh, Houdini, we know, uh, we'll give you a quick little light. The one thing I liked that I saw out of him uh, on the on that other tab um, in, the, in, in this is the SOS. Go back to Jameis Winston. The number one easiest strength schedule this year. Nice. That's got to be uh, making you feel pretty good for your your boy Jameis. So the projections on him were 4,127 4, yards, 30 TDs, and 15 interceptions. You've got him also stag party getting two rushing touchdowns, um, 198 yards on 53 rushes. That puts him at uh, 286.88 points. Um I don't know where that put slots them in. It's probably QB twelve. Yeah, top fifteen. Um, let's talk about them quickly because you know. I'll give you my two cents. Not yeah. back out. How about okay. that? Cool. How uh, about that? How about that? He's thrown for over four thousand yards in both of his first two seasons. Uh, he has thrown for um, at least twenty. Was it twenty-two and twenty-eight touchdowns? So he's seen that going up. He's thrown for uh, the interceptions is the distressing thing for me, but I think that, that starts to come down this year. And I look at him as being a guy that, with the 30 touchdowns. This is a kind of a breakout year. Now that you're giving him with Cameron Braid, who established himself last year, you're adding O.J. Howard, you're giving him Deshaun Jackson. You're, you don't really have much in the way of a running game, so this is still going to be a team that's going to be basically kind of heavily reliant on the quarterback and the pass game. So he's still going to throw interceptions. So I can see still probably 12 to 14 interceptions, but I expect him to actually be closer to 35 touchdowns this year, 33 to 35. And that's just because of the fact of what Deshaun Jackson brings. That's just because of the fact that you have different playmakers Mike Evans not having to have to do everything all on his own. I mean, wasn't it last year? I, I, I agree with you. He benefits from all this new talent. Last year, watched, I had Evans on a lot of teams. I know you guys did as well. It looked like he was out there doing it alone in many games. And yeah. it's just like, James Robinson, why am I going to fucking throw to this jag off when I can throw to Mike Evans? And why do you throw interceptions? Because he forced balls. And that's changed. Um, obviously, Mike Evans caught so many balls that no one else in the league could even catch. But I think the winner out of all this addition of talent is obviously James Winston. So uh, let's go on to anyone else you want to talk about on that team. Evans, does he is he coming down? Are you? So you got him at eighty-seven. Or does catches? the additions of all these like OJ Howards and Sean Jackson actually help Mike Evans? No, it doesn't help. Okay, so <laughs> it comes down. He, he's His targets are about twenty down. Oh, he led he led the league last year in targets with what like one eighty three or something. Now he's at one sixty four with these projections. So getting eighteen, yeah. I mean he's. So do you think Evans as the fifth sixth pick in drafts in the first round? Do you like that? Do you no. want that? I like him at the back end of round one. I don't like him as the fifth or sixth pick. Who do you, who do you t- here's to put it back? So T.Y. Yeah. Hilton. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton or Mike Evans? Probably Mike Evans. T.Y. Hilton actually projects slightly higher. I need to tweak something on his. It's got to be Mike Evans just because of the touchdown potential. Until T.Y. Hilton becomes a double-digit touchdown guy... I don't know if that's ever happening. And and, and you're counting on him putting do what he did last year with 1,400-some-odd yards? (laughs) I can't can't count on him. I think the yards can keep going up. But I hear you. I hear you. You're right. (laughs) I, you're right. He's 1,600 yards. I think he can do it. 2,000. No, we're gonna stick it. We're gonna stick at 16. But I agree. Okay. I agree with you guys on the touchdown. And 
Uh, O.J. Howard, quickly, expectations this year just because he's a big name. Um, I would like him for best ball. I don't, I don't like him for a guy that you would ever no. try to play. He's a guy that if you could just have him for that one game that he's going to have, great. But otherwise, um, he's going to be a guy that you'll want in year two and But three. still, on these numbers, uh, 48 catches on 73 targets for it's 530. Over. It's over. Hold on. 533 yards and five touchdowns. You got him at 131 in PPR. Where, would that, where does that rank? That's got to be top ten. No way close. No? Not in PPR. Okay. 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 So you're, in PPR you're, number twenty-two. Okay. So when you were saying su- when you were saying hundred at a tight end, it was standard. Yes. Yeah. I would be surprised though for any, for, especially for him with the, the, all the other additions that they've had in this offense and with Cameron Bray, with what he's what he's been able to do. Forty-eight catches up a hell of a lot for OJ Howard. He's more of that kind of going to be that splash type play and things that you see. I really kind of see him more at a high end of thirty-five receptions, but. He's going to do more with yards per reception because he's going to be a down-the-field worker as a tight end. He's going to be a wide receiver down the field. He's going to, I think he's going to be kind of a letdown from fantasy. Definitely. They all are. Yeah. Like, stop drafting O.J. Howard in the teens. In yeah. The, yeah, I think you're right. Tight end. This team, now let's, let's quickly, and then we'll go on to the Tennessee Titans. Doug Martin, we know he's missing four games. Uh, you said earlier, and I agree with you, they don't have a running game. We've got Charles Sims. Who knows what you get. The numbers here are pedestrian. Um, Doug Martin, do you like him? Once he comes back, game five and beyond, can Doug Martin be a guy that you're happy as your running back to or a flex spot? I'll tell you this. You can be happy because of where you're getting him. Because you're not having to pay a goddamn thing. It's kind of like you said with Jamal Charles. This is kind of where Doug Martin's falling, and, and you look at all. You know, running back forty or so in drafts. Right. So you're not having to pay, like and that. you have the opportunity for when he does come back to look. As we all said, Quiz Rogers is a spurt. He's he's, he's just going to give you that 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 those couple. This is our, this our podcast last week. Uh, a what? He goes quiz in your face. I go well. He's only good in spurts. I thought you were to call him a little squirt. <laughs> no spurts, 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 spurts. He is a little squirt though. Uh, so so what you're going to get from Doug Martin is this is also what's always great for running backs, right? You haven't been beat up for the first month of the season. All these other guys have already been taking a beating. And now you come in, and there's all these extra weapons where you're going to have uh, the ability where defenses are not going to be focusing anything on Doug Martin like they were when he was coming off of the uh, after the two bad years, the 1,400-yard season, and then he crapped the bed last year. You, This is one of those great, under-by, they're all running away, let's run toward it. Yep, love it. The strength schedule for the Bucks isn't at the running game isn't great. It's 20. But like I said, Tampa Bay quarterbacks is one. Wide receivers is the easiest schedule uh, for wide receivers as strength schedule. Um, all right, let's go. And um, we, you want to move on, buddy? Yeah, I think. Uh, Titan time? I think Deshaun Jackson's another good pick real quick. And then I think he's getting over 100 targets. And we know what he could do in terms of yards for reception. Overall, with Jameis, though, they really put the shackles on. I'm going to say it again. The first six or the first eight weeks of the season, they ran 69 plays a game, gave Jameis Winston nearly 40 attempts a game. After that, they slowed the offense down, 63 plays a game, just 32 attempts a game. If and that's when they started winning, they went five and two in that stretch, six and two in that stretch. If they want to win football games, why do you automatically go back, change? Try to be a gunslinger where James Winston is going to throw picks because yeah. it's who he is. 
Well, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, that's part of why they brought in Deshaun Jackson is to kind of give him the ability to be more of that gunslinger, as you said. He doesn't help with gunslinger. No, 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 because as you said, D-Rex, uh, it looked last year like Mike Evans was out there by himself. Yeah. So it was him and Cameron Brayton at basically at times. Yeah. There was nobody else. So yeah, you giving us your all answers. right, all right, all right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love. It. I, we, we we know we know you love them. We're all well. The other thing, the other thing I'll tell you this is as I was investigating Kirk Cousins and looking at like Deshaun Jackson, this is a player who is the most prolific 50 yards plus receiver yeah. receiver in the history of the game. He's had even in his last like three years 12 plays, like an average of four per year of over 50 yards. That's huge in fantasy. I know that one, and I think the, uh, with Deshaun Jackson, if you're the only way I'm ever drafting Deshaun Jackson is know your league, know your format. Is if you're in a yard, uh, um, rewarding for long yard touchdowns or, or long yardage plays kind of league, then he's a different beast. But he's just, he's not, he's really not draftable to me in a lot of formats. Okay. Go ahead, Valverde. Valverde. Before we go to the t- Titans, uh, this will be our last sponsorship uh, rendezvous. Please take a listen to this. All right, down to our final two teams here: Tennessee Titans and the Washington Redskins. Both power and numbers. A lot of a uh, lot of fantasy points are being considered and hoped out of these two teams. Titans coming out of nowhere, where about three years ago they probably were the. Least power in numbers. I think they had zero guys in the top, uh, and now they're, they could have a ton. So let's start. Um, let's see, let's let, let you stag party start with your boy uh, Marcus Mariota, and um, tell us what you think for him. So Marcus Mariota, I've got for three thousand eight hundred eighty-eight yards, twenty-nine touchdowns, twelve ints, seventy rush yards, three hundred eighty-four yards, and two rush touchdowns. For 297 fantasy points, which puts him right at QB8 ahead of Matthew Stafford. Um, His ability to run, his accuracy, the fact that he's never thrown a touchdown in the red zone. They've added so many weapons to his core with Corey Davis and Eric Decker, who's one of the most prolific red zone uh, threats in the league over the last decade. Leads me to believe that Marcus Mariota is really, really in for a good season. As much as they want to say that they're a smash-mouth football team, Marcus Mariota's efficiency is what's going to take them to the next level. Uh, I don't have them projected for you know the Jameis Winston style of 578 attempts. Well, Just, why would you with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray? Yeah, we've got him with 507, so 70 less attempts on the season, and he's the the Titans also play a semi sort of conservative style where they're going to run plays at about a league average rate. I don't think that's going to change too much. DeMarco Murray, I think he's going to keep doing what he did last year. Uh, I could see his number of rush attempts going down slightly in favor of Derrick Henry, but I also think he's still going to be involved in the red zone, and he's still their best receiving back. And there was games where he was a great receiving back last year, and it pushed him over the the level of sort of being an RB one. His best, no, no. sorry, no, no. his best plays in many games were catching plays. Go ahead and do that, and I want. 
Well, we're expelled. My life is over, and I'm going to wind up working at Red Lobster. You already work in Red Lobster. Yeah, but it's part-time, dick. <laughs> so, my thing is that I look at what, with all the additions that they have made to the team, look, you already have the strong running attacks, so you already have balance. Okay, That's never going to be a question. But now you got rid of the Kendall Wrights, you got rid of the Justin Hunters, you got rid of all these other guys, and so now you're basing yourself on, hey, it's going to be Corey Davis, it's going to be Rashard Matthews, um, Delaney Walker, who's been the main guy throughout this whole thing, we also got a, a rookie, Taewon Taylor. So you've brought in all these extra talent. And when I look at this as, as that, uh, and maybe correlate this to Delaney Walker, who... Um, Decker. I don't know. Let me get that. Oh, and Eric Decker, right. Let me get that. Right. Okay. Let me get okay, it. Okay. These numbers are different from what you have. Okay. So, so an Eric Decker coming over, too. So, right. So now you've given him all these extra weapons. I think that this finally now has the look of a balanced type of a team. And with what Mariota has done, is like you said, it's how he's also a smart quarterback who's not turning the ball over, right? So he's, he's, he's just methodical and, and looking at it. And he also has the ability to stretch plays out because of his legs. So he has more playmakers to finally give him that opportunity. So let's talk about the pass catchers on this team. Um, you know, it, the draft kit version one has a old projection model um, because Eric Decker had designed at the time there. of release. Since then, we've got uh, Eric Decker at 70 catches, 111 targets, 921 uh, yards, seven touchdowns. Corey Davis at 66 catches, 103 targets, 795 yards, and five touchdowns. Rashard Matthews taking a little bit of a hit. 53 receptions, 87 targets, 766 yards, six touchdowns. And Delaney Walker, 60 catches on 97 targets, 737 yards, and six touchdowns. And by the way, I believe that would be the first season in the last three that Delaney would have under 100 targets. Yeah, I'm starting to think that way. I think they're going to play a lot of three wide receiver sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, Eric, with, Eric Decker, yeah. with Eric Decker in the slot instead of Delaney Walker, which is sort of where he plays best. He's not a true inline tight end, and I think Eric Decker's better at this point in his career at playing the slot than Delaney Walker. The one that I might have a question with is is, is still because I, I really like Rashard Matthews, and I think that Rashard Matthews almost benefits more from Eric Decker coming over because he draws some more attention away. Rashard Matthews has kind of been the de facto number one wide receiver on this team and having to overcome everything, and he's still that big play receiver. He's what is the average is like almost over 14 yards per reception. So he and uh, Mariota have seemed to have a, a good rapport with each other. Now, obviously everything's going to be different with Decker there, but... I'm just worried about overall targets. You had like 100... I know, I know. A 100 target guy, it, it's everyone gets, gets here's eaten. Here's also what I think. Uh, draft... draft um, how much or does this draft maybe cap? make push the rookie back? I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. It's all good. Does this maybe push Corey Davis back a no. little bit? Draft from, cap, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. Draft capital, fourth pick or fifth pick overall, Yeah. he is going to lead the team in snap counts. Just no matter, unless he's a total idiot and can't get, but I'm not hearing anything like that. He is going to get the most snaps. I know Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, I think I think I'm I'm a believer that Corey Davis is going to kind of have a, 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 an electric rookie season. I think he's that. I think he's that good, and I think 
It, like you said, Mary. The Randy Moss-esque? No, no, no. I mean, that's going real far. Not, not, not at all. But I could see, like, a couple huge games. Maybe, let's say, ceiling is Anquan Bolden. But you say weekly target leader because you think he's going to No, I think snap counts. I think he's going to be oh, snap in, counts. Yeah, I think snap counts. How he's about targets? a lot of play. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how 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 they just how they run their offense. But he's going to be on the field. A how about Stags? Let me ask you: Can, Is is it going to be? What's the snap count or not snap count? The target order going to be? It's going to be. What do you have? You say was it Decker followed by Decker Davis, Davis Matthews? No, Decker Davis, Davis Walker, Walker Matthews. Matthews. Matt, Matthews t- took a big hit with Decker showing up. And see, I, but but, but I Decker doesn't play the same that. position. Matthews also plays the outside. The, the, yes, Davis was primi- primarily a slot receiver at Central Michigan. He did play a little bit on the outside, but he dominated from the slot and the lower level of competition. He was highly, highly drafted. Typically, receivers drafted in the top ten, they'll see over 100 targets, so I think that's definitely his own possibilities. Other than that... His routes are very similar to Eric Decker's, and I think Eric Decker's going to dominate in the red zone sort of like he always has. And overall, it just limits Corey Davis's overall ceiling for this season, the Decker signing. So, so, so you kind of disagree with that with the way that, the, the way that it's downgraded Richard Matthews a lot more? I think it's in terms of targets. I don't think he's going to get as many, but they're still going to be highly effective because he was great in the red zone last season, and he also ran, you know, deeper routes. So I think he's still going to get the shots. So I, I think he's going to have some impact. I want Rashard Matthews more in best ball. I don't know what weeks are going to be the weeks to start mm-hmm. him as yeah. of right now. But, but you know, this is also the thing for me, D-Rex, like when, when you're, you were talking about it, when they brought, you know, I agree. You draft a guy, what, number four overall, you're saying? Four or five. <laughs> you, you're going to give him that, that heavy snap count and whether he's going to get the number one amount of targets or he's going to get a lot. And I'm not saying that he's not going to get a lot of workload, but I also think that for this team with Mariota, who's kind of taken them on a – we can obviously say since he's got there's an upward trajectory. Yeah. Okay, and especially with what you did with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, now trying to add into that passing game by adding Corey Davis, but – they they were they got a steal. They didn't expect to have Eric Decker fall into their laps. I almost and think they probably wish they if they could have it back. They but they wouldn't probably, do it. Yeah, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't have taken Corey Davis. Maybe. No, this is a great thing for Corey Davis. Now Corey Davis doesn't have to have the ultimate pressure coming in that you have to perform. And now if you don't, you're under the microscope. Now, granted, the microscope in, in Nashville is different than the microscope in L.A., New York, Chicago. But being that number one guy, Decker is the guy that's going to come in with the, with the more notoriety. You're going to allow Dow to have that rookie kind of develop and not I think force him put too much pressure on. I think the wide receiver position is get out. You're you're a high pick. You're you're a stud. You are going to be the future. Just get the guy playing. Well, this that may be. It's not like you're not going to get him playing, but you're giving him protection so he doesn't have to be the face. And do you not have a chance, especially now that you signed Decker, to win this division? Yeah, they already. They're this already is not. A, this is not like a. There's no dominant team in this division. Let's say this: 
there's a lot of action happening here. How is this distribution going to happen? How's the volume placement happen in this this Delaney chart? definitely gets hurt. Yeah, Delaney hurt. I think Ann Matthews gets hurt. And maybe, guys, let's remember, Decker isn't... There's a reason why he got cut. He's coming off of injuries. He's not just all of a sudden the, the number one. No. I don't want to get. I don't want to hand him the baton and say he's the guy. I think they, they're getting him at a good price. I want to ask a better question. Favorite. Better yep. question is when you look at Tennessee, because this is a team that I really don't want to draft many players off of. I can see myself drafting Mariota. I can see myself. I'm still high on Richard Matthews because I feel if I can get him at that value, he's that spurt type game guy. And if, if I have the right matchups where I can play him three different weeks as my wide receiver three, I think, or as a flex, I think it can make an impact. That being said, though, I think that Mariota's development hurts from DeMarco and Derrick Henry's development from where they were last year. I think they're going to take a, a decrease, and the addition of Decker just spreads the ball around. We'll see. So, is there who I'm asking? You, I think this is the wrong who are the players? Team. If you if you are looking at Tennessee, what players would you want to have on your team? On your fantasy roster. Decker, DeMarco, Mariota. Mariota tops. Okay. I would want to, I'd still love DeMarco. Um, I like a Davis because he's fall, He's going the right way as far as ADP. He's falling through the roof, and I think he might be one of those kind of next-level talents that could just, just he's just too good. you got to get him the ball. Um, and Mariota, I'm not that interested in See, it. I think I agree with you. Mariota is my highest guy. DeMarco is the guy that I'm worried about the most because here's a guy that has a high stock, but he also has high competition in Derrick Henry. So there's no guarantee that they can't just say, oh, you know what, we're going to go with the young guy. No doubt. No, no doubt. I, just, I, just like, that. I like that offense. Um, uh, yeah, I think Henry will have a good season, too. Um, your team, your other team, you have a San Francisco on the one coast and you're a Redskins man on the west coast. Well, I like, I, I, it's changing, but I like the Redskins. I mean, what's not to like? There's uh, a, a lot of new faces out there now, though. Um, let's get Kirk Curdy, Captain Kirk. We've got him, or Stag Party's got him projection-wise at um, 387 completions on 586 attempts. Uh, that's good for 4,549 yards, 27 TDs, 13 interceptions, and wow, I like this, but you got him rushing 31 times for only 75 yards, but three TDs because he he's a sneaky TD getter. Uh, on the ground, uh, and that's going to put him at 289.46. What is that, about 9? 11. 11, okay. Um, 18 points per game. I like it. I think that's par. I think Cousins, I'm definitely not as high on him this year as I was last year because I think their running game is going to be better this year. Um, and last year I just, it, I actually did think it was going to be all right with Matt Jones, but um, last year, once the season started, it was like, Fat Rob got some opportunities, but they were they were they were chucking the ball around the field. Uh, I think they can even that out a little bit more, and I think that's something that um, that uh, Gruden would love. Is but not does, to be so reliant on the pass. But Jay Gruden's always been a guy that's been more reliant on the pass when he was an offensive coordinator. What was he usually about a fifty-five percent? Is it arena? No, much more. Fifty-seven arena. Right. He arena. was like he was like when this was like the, the ultimate shift when they went from. Uh, Jay Gruden to to uh, Hugh Jackson, who who was like, okay, here's a guy that is basically 50-50, if not, I'm yeah. leaning more on the run 
than on the passing game. So Jay Gruden's like sixty-one percent pass. He wants big plays. He wants he wants those impact type. And he also likes quick spread passing games, and yeah. he's been able to have that the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think that's why I think Terrell Pryor is going to be in for a big season. Oh, I love Terrell Pryor. Well, let, 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 yeah, go for it, but so, I, I love. So Pryor's probably not going to see the same amount of targets he saw in Cleveland, but they should be much more effective. What was he? Fifty-five percent reception percentage in Cleveland. Fifty-five percent of the targets is all he caught. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to be much more accurate targets, and he's going to be used a little bit downfield. But I also think they will use him in a hybrid Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon role. Like I agree. it's it's going to be good. For his reception percentage, but he's also still going to get deep, high-valued shots, and he should be better in the red zone than either Pierre Garcon or Deshaun Jackson because of his size. I, I, I do think, though, Jamison Crowder is going to be the guy to lead the team in catches and maybe even targets. Yardage, I, I put him pretty close, but I think Terrell Pryor has you know back-end wide receiver one Doug Baldwin-ish territory of being a wide receiver one on the season. What are your thoughts on Doxon when they drafted him last year? Obviously injured the whole season. But the big thing last going into last year's draft was that this guy catches everything, unbelievable, you know, catch radius, and be able to get the ball anywhere on the field, and he's a great red zone target. Jump out of the building. Do you think that he's going to be able to come in and steal some of that thunder? Because the only thing I really <coughs> like about Doxon going into this year is his red zone. I think he could be a red zone stealer from... Let me. I'll jump in first. I don't know as much about it, but I'll tell you this: I can't understand why a team would get rid of Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson if you didn't have belief that he can be that type of guy. Doxon? That's what I'm okay. saying. So you have Jamison Crowder, who you know is your slot type guy. Is that is that inside guy? You're bringing in Pryor. Pryor's only on a one year contract, so this is again, you got to have some faith in what you're doing, or you're having faith that hey. Pryor's going to work out, and we're going to be able to sign him to a longer-term deal. Yeah. Um, I think that they're both good fits. Now it's going to be a matter of seeing how it all gels together. But I think Pryor's the ultimate winner. I think Doxon's going to show more than people are giving him credit for. It. I mean, I you have to pay nothing for Doxon. I think that the guy who ever drafted him in our mock draft probably got him about I just a round or two round. earlier than he, than, he, than he needed to. I think he could have let him go. I think he may have even gone undrafted. Maybe. And... But again, as we always say, if you had that belief in a guy, don't let it go. Yeah. Don't let, don't give it, leave it up to chance. Then stick your neck out. Yeah, I, I think, um, I, I agree. I don't think Doxon's going to be all world or anything, but I think he's going to be pretty good in, uh, in the, in the front uh, third of the field. But adding different dimensions, which force defenses to have to actually adjust to what he does. It's like when Tyree Kill came in. It's not that all of a sudden he's an all world beater, but hey. This jet sweep thing, it's never looked as dangerous as it ever has until Tyreek Hill started doing it. So, if you, if Josh Doxson can at least, like Deshaun Jackson, if it's downfield, or if it's, hey, like Alshon Jeffrey, the high pointing on the ball, whatever. Yeah. If he's a combination of any of these guys and he can make an impact on the field, then it affects the game. We know that Terrell Pryor can, and Terrell Pryor is going to have, I'm telling you, PPR-wise, you are a fool not to draft this guy as your wide receiver. He's going to keep moving up, though, I think, Pryor. Pryor's going to keep moving up. His ADP is going to... He's never had more than five touchdowns in his career. What draft? What, what round did you have to grab him? 
Do you so know? That probably. Fourth. So here's the last thing I'll that's say. That's a great. That's a great value. I think. But I also didn't have a tight end or a wide receiver at the time. Yeah. So he's your wide receiver one. But even if you're waiting until till the fourth round, he becomes your wide receiver two. Or God forbid, he's, he's your wide receiver three. That's the most deadly wide receiver three you could have. Well, I, yeah, I love a wide receiver two even. Oh, yeah. I, 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 here's what I'll say, and I got sucked in with uh, Doxon, and then we can go back to some of these projections on the running backs, I think. Um I'm a sucker for watching some of this OTA video stuff on some of his cuts and the way he was running and kind of all shackles are off. And the guy's a route running machine. I mean, that guy's precision on some of these route routes cut on a dime. So I like what I'm seeing, and I can be a sucker for that. Sometimes there's I'm, a, I'm an eye test guy, and sometimes my uh, the, the the things I'm testing with my eyes can can play tricks on me and fail me. Uh, but watching him do some routes uh, a couple months ago, I, I think Doxon will surprise. And he, he's basically end end of the draft to go. Um, let's, talk, let's, let's talk Sam J. Perine. Sam J. Perine. Let's. Can I pronounce it any other way? <laughs> you can try. I will. I will. Go for it. <laughs> Um, it probably won't make for pretty good radio. Say A M J E. You got him at eight, 889 carries, 831 yards, and seven touchdowns. How are you? I mean, the thing is, Jay Gruden has stuck with his veterans for the first couple weeks of the season. I mean, he stuck with Matt Jones for four weeks last year before eventually going, hey, I gotta give it to Rob Kelly. This guy's fucking killing us. Yeah. And the year before that, before really getting Matt Jones involved, it's ride Alfred Morris until he. Oh, Alfred Morris isn't doing shit. Yeah. Uh, I gotta go with something else. I gotta go with you know this young guy who's got some juice. So I think it's gonna be pretty similar that he's gonna get uh, pushed along slowly. But, but I like his touchdown upside. I think so he's you a th- better touchdown scorer than Rob Kelly, and I think he's more than just a guy, and that's what I think Fat Rob is. And do you, so, do you think more they're going to be eating, Fat Rob will be eating into him the whole season, or do you think maybe by week seven, week eight, it's kind of it's it's almost maybe a little bit more like the Jordan Howard thing last year, where it's like, all right, Fat Rob, and then it's Samaje City. What do you think? I, I think it's a little bit less than Jordan Howard because. Yeah, but I, I, I'm I think it, just getting it, getting the no, wrong I, at the end of the I believe it's you know Rob Kelly getting fifteen to eighteen carries, touches early in the season, and then about week four, you know it's like all right, let's get this guy more involved. So then he goes from ten, you know, to twelve, and then eventually he has a bigger share. But I think Rob Kelly isn't disappearing. He's always going to be in the eight range. And we know Chris Thompson's going to be their yep. third down back and not going to completely disappear on yeah. his own. I mean, you can pretty much understand that they're not going to just like turn this over to a workhorse one way or the other. It's going to be a committee type back. Well, what if they say soon, early in, the, in this offseason and during the, the early summer, late summer, if they say Samaje's the running back one? Then, if they say that, if you hear that news, what are your thoughts on him then? I'm asking. I mean, I, I think he's already being drafted <laughs> like that's happened. But if that happens, are you thinking that these numbers are are considerable, or do you think he goes over a thousand? No, I think he's probably more in the 220 range. Like, he won't be projected for a thousand yards, but he'll be more in the 220 carry range. And he's the type of guy with his body size that he can take on a 220 carry load. I hope so. Yeah, we'll I think, see. No, I, I, I think so. 
I think this team lost a lot of players where they need some infuse some energy. But who knows? I, I I'm I'm high on the guy, but we'll see. I don't disagree with Stag Party's assumptions here. So last guy, Jordan Reed, obviously a, a, a stud, a tight end, one of the top uh, three to go off the boards. These numbers don't necessarily. Um, I guess they're pretty freaking good. Read them out. Um, okay, they're 78 catches 107, on 117 targets, 871 yards, and seven touchdowns. You know, you know. here's the thing that's interesting. Because when you look at Jordan Reed when he's gotten like, the, the huge activity, it's you think of, if you actually go back to like his first year, or maybe early in the second year, he was making more plays downfield. And then when he became like the Jordan Reed that was just like the PPR man and getting all this like action... It was like every play was like an eight-yard out <laughs> to Jordan Reed. and Because no one could stay with him. He would just like have it wide open. Oh, eight yards. Okay, next play. Oh, it's a first down. Oh, next play. Okay, here we go. And he would finish those games with 11, 12 catches, and he was putting up. I'm not necessarily surprised with the yardage here because I think that Terrell Pryor, Josh Doxon, these are the guys that are going to be the down the field guys. And as they stretch that, they're trying to open up the underneath stuff so that if Jordan can break one tackle, boom, he's got another 7 to 10 yards before another guy touches him. And maybe they needed to use Jordan a bit more like we were talking about Landry earlier in the show where he was almost their chip away. Almost in some ways, a couple of years ago, when he was really getting a lot of those, there were certain drives where it was like it was the Jordan Howard show. Uh, maybe they had they just didn't have the confidence in their own game, so they kind of had to chip away at it that way. Anyway, I, I think those numbers. I'm gonna say ups. I'm gonna I'm gonna be wishful thinker for Jordan Reed draft ease uh, drafters, and uh, I'll say that those are a little low, but maybe they're spot on. Um, he's gonna get injured too. <laughs> let's be honest. Well, the one thing is is that like. It, Again, it's not like it's that much of an under-projection when you're giving him 871 yards. We've only had a few tight ends that have gotten over the 1,000-yard mark. So, Absolutely. And you got you know, when you get over 600, you're actually giving a decent season. you got so. 207 yards in PPR. So, uh, All right. Hey, it's fun. Thanks for uh, this exercise. Good to run through the projections. Good job, Stag Party. Um, I think we uh, – I learned more. I, I – I, 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 I like to use these, and um, you know, I think it's good to balance off when you're creating your tiers. And even while I've been doing the mock, I'm in between a couple guys. My tiers right now, it's like there's clumps of dudes that it's like, you know, I'm still I'm still formulating them and still moving around. So you go and oh look at projections, like, okay, I think this guy right now. How many points do people think? Whether it's Dag Party, whether it's uh, Fantasy Pros, whether it's um, you know Mike uh, Clay or whatever, um, it's good to see that, and then you can get a sense. I'm really kind of an end of the point, end of the year points guy, and I think about if this guy starts for me every year, how many points does this person think I can get? So, well, what, what I just loved right now is like getting involved in all this, and then all the different mock drafts and things that we're doing, and, and this is why. It is a full year thing if you're really getting into it and why the people who are paying attention for a longer period of time have such a leg up on everybody else because where you've already seen guys who are falling in our tiers and guys who are rising yeah. from three months ago to two months ago to where that's going to be in July to where that's going to be in August and instead of it being like a rapid fire, oh, i got to kind of catch up on what kind of happened. Oh, I thought there was good news about this guy. Uh, no, that's why stick with us. This is where this draft kit with the 25 tabs and the, and the constant updates and 
and stick with our podcast. We're here. We was made up for it. We're almost cutting close to over three and a half hours, so we're getting it done. We love you guys. Uh, shout oh. out. We got some new. Well, hold on. We got some new uh, writers and some new blood uh, releasing along with this podcast. Three pieces of content additionally tomorrow. So it's season time. We're go, go, go. We're excited about a lot of the things that are happening around Pyro. We appreciate it. Houdini, who are we listening to today? So this was Black and Brown. This is a funk band from Italy. Wow. Has been around for about over 20 years. So the first song was New Delight. And we're going to close out with Tribal Boogaloo. This is one of those ones I was like just drunk. <laughs> And I had, like, Pandora, and, like, they popped up on, like, one of my, like, like lists from the things that I like, and you guys are going to enjoy it. Ready? Try the boogaloo. Later, everybody. Nice. Black and brown.
I don't know why you got to do it in front of the kid. But yeah, all you got to do is say earmuffs to him. Earmuffs. Then you can say, fuck, shit, bitch, whatever you want. Cock, balls. Okay, I'm just proving a point. You don't have to celebrate, Frank. 